Well, Todd McFarland, thanks so much for talking to us here at New York Comic Con. If you could let us know who you are, and you're on Below the Belt Show. Hey, everybody, this is Todd McFarland, creator of and you're listening to Below the Belt Show. Stay tuned. The Below the Belt Show is closed captioned for the hearing impaired. It is now time for the bad boys of Baltimore. Pips up. Goes down. That's right, it's time for another episode of BTB Below the Belt Show in the Mother Effing House. Fresh back from New York Comic Con, the premier Comic Con. And of course, uh, it was my co host tonight's first New York Comic Con experience. Uh, Indeed, it finally, he, he broke his NYCC cherry. He is the <laughs> Persian prince of pop culture. He is affectionately known as the man with the common presence. He's also known as the Zani. He's the one and the only Mike the General Zod. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I think it's more of a, it's a, it's a very much an apple-sized cherry that I got popped this weekend. <laughs> last it weekend. is the big apple. It is yes. the big apple. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, wow, let's let's talk about some of the highlights, Zod, because uh, we we had two of the four days that New York Comic Con was was happening um due to exorbitant uh, hotel rates uh in the city we opted <laughs> to only stay for one night but attend two days nonetheless um well uh we get into town on saturday we had a pretty nice bus ride we got into town okay and on time and uh we rush we rush directly to the chris evans panel and it's interesting uh watching these panels now because a lot of them uh I, with a strike going on you know you mm-hmm. can only talk about some you know certain things and we hear like chris evans talking about like broadway and yeah it's like would you like marriage. to be on broadway and he's like sure <laughs> and... <laughs> because they can't talk about anything from yeah. struck work you know so it, it made for very interesting um um innovations uh with 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 the, the panels Obviously, that affects everything with uh, TV and film. That's a part of struck work. But mm-hmm. as far as comic books, that's unaffected completely. Right. Zod, you're you're very very uh, very um, excited to attend Marvel's uh, two panels on Saturday. They had one um, panel with some mm-hmm. legends in Marvel uh, comic book world, and then later on they had Marvel's The Next Big Thing which uh discuss some of the upcoming um i guess events storylines and events yeah yep happening in marvel yeah i was uh, i was super excited for those i remember there was a long time where i would um 
in the um you know in the geek press they would always have these like recaps of these events at san diego comic-con new york comic-con because that's where marvel usually has their big announcements and they were they always seemed like a lot of fun and you know they uh they it certainly didn't disappoint like the uh, the legends one got to see frank miller who absolutely is like you know comic book royalty i mean his Sin city uh what, what was his batman's popular batman story uh, the dark knight returns the dark knight returns and yeah. year one year one and the dark knight returns um when i was younger i remember uh, my friend was applying to medical school and he was talking about um and I was like, oh, so like during the interviews, because he was all stressing out about the interviews. And I was like, so like, I know they, you know, he was like, you know, one thing he was stressing out about was when they asked, uh, when the interviewers would ask about, you know, to get a, a rounded idea as to what kind of person he is, you know, about like what his hobbies and interests are. And he was a big comic book fan like I was. And I was like, well, you could always talk about comics. And he's like, are you kidding me? Maybe I'll mention that Dark Knight Returns or Watchmen. And that's it. <laughs> Watchmen, that was another one, right? Yeah, well, Alan Moore wrote Watchmen, but that was oh, okay. Yeah, at least uh, at least at the time before um comics became truly you know, like in the uh, up until about, um, I guess when the, um, I guess when in like two, maybe not even when the first X Men movie came out, probably when the first Spider Man movie came out was when comics had really truly hit the zeitgeist of becoming just like regular, regular pop culture. It was still like considered kind of niche. I mean, the Batman movies were hits, but it was still just. Oh, that's comic books. You know what I mean? And uh, so it was, uh, but but at that time, I mean, like, you know, you could still be taken seriously as an adult if you talked about Watchmen or The Dark Knight. <laughs> and, like, yeah. Uh, and, so what other highlights can we talk about from the Legends? Uh, well, it, uh, was, it was fun to see, like, because besides, apart from Frank Miller, they also had... Um, who is it? Steve McNiven, who is the artist for Civil War. And he always had this like really and he was actually an artist uh, about the time I was getting back into comics. He was an artist on a Fantastic Four title. And that was one of the things that got me back in. And and uh, who else was on that panel? Um, oh, my gosh. Oh. John Romita Jr. John Romita Jr. Okay. <laughs> yes. Who was See, I'm uh, remembering. Yeah, John Romita Jr. has pretty, I mean, he's been, he's been in the industry for, I want to say since like uh, the late 70s. I mean, obviously he's like second generation royalty when it comes to comic book creators. But, mm -hmm. um, well, I mean, they used to say like his father, John Romita, like when you're a kid, every time that you'd see a picture of Spider-Man, like in some kind of merchandising, like on a T-shirt or a, um, you know, on bed sheets or in like coloring books or something, it was always the John Romita Spider-Man. And in fact, like Marvel used to instruct artists that, you know, if you're drawing Spider-Man, he has to look exactly like John Romita drew him. And that didn't change until I think Todd McFarlane um, became the artist. Wasn't the opening promo, by the way? You heard that, yeah. right? Yeah. 
So, I mean, his son has done every single Marvel and DC comic that you can think of at some point or another. He's actually the current, like, he's like, he shares artist duties with uh, a couple of other artists, but he's a current artist on Spider-Man. But like, oh, yeah, when, that's right. when I was getting into comics in elementary school, he was the artist on the X-Men. So I was really, you know, so, you know, when I see his art, I think of Marvel. And some people don't like his art, but I think it looks great. And okay. yeah, and it was it was cool hearing stories like he and Frank Miller worked together on this like Daredevil story in the um, in the 90s. And, um, you know, they were they were just like um, making, you know, they were making jokes about that. They were kind of making fun of each other which is fun to see frank miller is kind of a controversial figure sometimes because he's well really? he's he's actually someone that well i don't know like well, a lot of comic creators trouble, that we've interviewed have been calling, controversial yeah i got in trouble for calling uh another art uh, another creator a curmudgeon once but <laughs> I, uh, you know, Frank Miller definitely fit that bill. And he was and he, he said controversial things, especially after 9-11. He, oh, yeah. He put out this like insanely poorly regarded Batman story called The Dark Knight Strikes Again after The Dark Knight Returns, which is roundly considered one of the greatest <laughs> Batman stories ever. But like and his whole his whole shtick is. Oh, and he made uh, the movie The Spirit which uh, we're going into movies, which I don't know. He was the director for that, and everybody hated that movie. Oh, wow. Did you ever so, see that movie? I don't, I don't recall that movie. When did that come out? I don't, uh, sometime in the mid-aughts. Um, it, was, it, had, it kind of like superficially looked like Sin City because it was black and white with okay. just little splashes of color. And, uh, I Sin City I, I love. Since yeah, I, I don't think absolutely. I've ever seen it. But, but but like, you know, his whole thing was like he would write stuff that um, the characters were kind. I mean, they weren't. Well, his a lot of his earlier work, especially um, stuff like Batman Year One, his run on Daredevil and even The Dark Knight Returns. It was still like it was known for like being like uber cinematic in the way he would do the art but also like had this kind of like understated humanity to it okay. and then at some point like uh, some point after that he completely changed like how his art kind of stayed the same i think it, it became a little bit more hyper stylized especially right. for sin city but um now all of the characters are kind of like you know these bombastic caricatures like all of the women are, I mean, all these guys are like these hard boiled, grizzled guys who can't do anything and they're brooding. And like uh, all of the women are these hyper, hyper sexualized, right? Super intelligent, but hyper sexualized, like big boobs. You know, yeah. And yeah. I remember, I remember Sin City. I remember yeah. Sin City. And, um, you know, at some point, like, the times changed and he didn't change with them. <laughs> and that's why he doesn't write much anymore. <laughs> and... Well, let's go, let's go ahead and uh, move on to the Marvel's Next Big Thing panel, uh, if you would, uh, Zadi. Um, so that was more uh, for contemporary uh, yeah. uh, storylines. We can go over some of the highlights. I, I wasn't able to stay for the whole duration. I had a, a photo op schedule, let's just say. Uh, Zad, give us a review of the 
the next big thing kind of viral. Okay, so like the whole thing, it was um, the funny thing is like a lot of these creators, I know who they are by their names, but I never had any idea what they look like, and they all had kind of a dis, uh, kind of a similar look. <laughs> they were all kind of these uh, kind of these big pudgy guys who big pudgy white guys who. Um, you know, they write great stories, but like, you know, they're um, they they kind of look like a caricature, which is kind of unfortunate. But, you know, that's that's super shallow. But the the whole thing, like the editor in chief, C.B. Sabolsky, he's he was the one who um, he was the one who moderated it. And there's a funny story. I didn't mention this to you over the weekend, but oh, did I? About like how he used to have a pseudonym that like it was found out. Okay, so CB Savolsky for a time in the early 2000s, around the time when uh, Marvel was still having some like financial troubles before they got bought by Disney. Um. There was a writer that wrote a bunch of comics named uh, and he like his writing was kind of pedestrian. It wasn't really all that great, but it was uh, but he was all over the place. And his name was Akira Yoshida, which is like a, um, you know, it's 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 obviously a very Japanese looking name, at least in you know the way we think of we think of uh, Japanese people. And right and He's of course, not Japanese. It, well, that was C.B. Sabolsky, that big fat guy that we saw. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's not Japanese. <laughs> He's not <laughs> but Japanese he had that pseudonym. But, but he, he wrote pseudonym. under. Yeah, he wrote under that pseudonym, and when it was discovered, he was completely torn apart on the internet about it. Wow! I mean, Holy you could, shit. You that's, can see that's I mean, very it, controversial. Yeah. And, <laughs> and the funny thing is, I remember even back when I said that and I saw that name, I was like Akira Yoshida. So Akira is obviously a super famous anime movie. And Yoshida, Yoshida is the last name <laughs> of Wolverine's ex-love, Mariko Yoshida. And that, that must be where they, they got the combination of names together. And... Um, that's yeah. cool but the, yeah, the, did... the whole thing with it i mean they had they brought up um they talked about the um they talked about the x-men for a while and they brought up al ewing and jerry duggan they were talking which about we, which we have an interview of what we're going to be hearing on, exactly on yes exactly and talking about because like currently there's a uh there's they recently in the X-Men, they, they did a huge change in the status quo where they um, the X-Men were like actually living quite well for a while where they had their own island and their own nation. And, you know, uh, mutants had uh, another like sub race of mutants had taken over Mars and, um, you know, they become like, you know, true intergalactic and world powers. And then all of that came to a halt during the recent Hellfire Gala story that moved into what's called Fall of X. And now mutants are feared and hated on Earth again. Um, there's this like organization called Orcus that is like orchestrating that all. A lot of it had to do with the world discovering what certain other mutants like Mr. Sinister had been doing. And, you know, 
it like, you know, now mutants are hated on Earth again, which is, I guess, like a, one of the prime tenets of like, you know, that's one of the like prime themes about X-Men comics. And it's that's been what they did the very game. beginning, just to yeah. show they're discriminated against. And then they, they went away with that. And right. Now right. They're bringing it back. Right. Yeah. I, re- yeah. I do recall that. Yeah. Now, was it another thing um, that was very, um, I guess, a big highlight of the, of the Marvel Next Big Thing was bringing back the Ultimate Universe? Was yeah, that discussed on yeah. your panel? Yeah, it was. The Okay. okay. So, so besides uh, Jerry Duggan and um, Al Ewing, they brought up this guy, Jonathan Hickman. And Jonathan Hickman yes. is an incredibly, incredibly talented writer. And the thing he's really, really good at is making these insanely huge and complicated sagas that just go like you know he had this story in the avengers called time runs out which is absolutely an amazing story but it's like it's over his entire run of two different avengers titles so it's like an overall like 100 issues but it's it you know it clearly has a beginning and an end and it really does pay off like if you read it that way which part of it like i can't imagine you know there's like it's hard enough to keep up with a lot of these stories (laughs) as it is so like i wonder how many people had it lost on that but like he did the same thing with the fantastic four like before that and that led into secret wars which uh, completely rebooted the Marvel Universe and everything. And um, and then he took over the X-Men a few years ago and changed that status quo to have the thing, what they call the Krakoan Age, which is like their island nation and how like it changed everything with the X-Men. And so now what he's doing is he is besides redoing the ultimate universe and it looks like they're going in a completely different direction where the ultimate universe the old ultimate universe was pretty much just like the marvel universe like you know it was still peter parker getting bitten by a spider and they would still introduce the kingpin they would still introduce the green goblin and all that this time around it looks like they're really changing it from that and um we don't know much yet about like the uh, the Ultimate Universe. I mean, they they announced that they're going to have like an Ultimate Spider-Man, which uh, he said it's going to be a lot more like Peter B. Parker, if you know from the. Um, yeah. uh, but I guess you know I'm a, kind of more of a was a DC guy. Is is the Ultimate Universe in Marvel pretty much analogous to DC Elseworlds? Kind of, it's supposed to be a totally different universe. Um, okay, they, yeah. So it's kind the, of like, the right? original Ultimate Universe, um, they were, what what it was essentially trying to do is, like, they were reintroducing all the characters, but modernizing them. That's why, like, um, you know, that's what they did with Spider-Man, and Ultimate Spider-Man was a, it was written by Brian Michael Bendis in the early 2000s, early to mid-2000s, and it was fantastic. It was, like, so good. That was the other thing that brought me back into comics was um, them rebooting Spider-Man in this really great way. And, you know, they, they had the Ultimates, which was, like, kind of like a more badass Avengers team. And that was kind of hit or miss. I mean, a lot of it, a lot of the Ultimate Universe, what it eventually turned into is it seemed like 
they're superheroes, but they're kind of assholes, kind of like the boys or something like that. <laughs> Although not I to love that, that. I love that idea. That not to that extreme, but they we were don't need, still kind of dicks. You don't need uh, like squeaky clean Captain America all the time. You know what I mean? It's good. To yeah, have well, there's a, there's a famous scene in the Ultimate Comics where Captain America takes down a bad guy and he points to his A and he says, "Do you think this stands for France?" And like uh, that is, um, I don't know. That was redone a bunch of times. But like, cool. yeah. And then they they also talked about this new title called Gods, Marvel yes, Gods, which we were able to get an exclusive variant. I think. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. As a part of that panel. Mm-hmm. And um, that was that was really cool. Marvel Gods seems like it's totally new characters like that are kind of interacting with the rest of the Marvel Universe. But you don't really know. At least for, did you get a chance to read that first issue? No, I have not. No, oh. is it similar to the new gods in DC? Or? Yeah, kind of. It's like it's okay. it's introducing this idea that there are um there are deities like uh, even above like the pan- the usual pantheons in the Marvel universe like the you know and uh, they have these like avatars and I think that's who these characters are these marvel and it's it's actually g dot o dot d dot s and i don't know what that acronym even stands for an acronym wow <laughs> but it, it's uh but yeah that's and, cool man but that was they, a they also finally announced <laughs> some kind of vampire story that's going to be going on with the avengers and doctor strange which is written by another really really great writer named jed mckay who, I've heard of Jed McKay, yeah. Yeah, who writes Moon Knight right now and Doctor Strange and the Avengers. Yes. They're all really good. Very cool. So that was the uh, Marvel's next uh, big thing panel. Um, shortly after that, we uh, after those panels, we go down to Artist Alizad and we uh, get some great creator interviews on day one, mm-hmm. including the one and only David Nakayama. Yeah, uh, yeah. Favorite cover artists I, uh, of of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't know he started as an interior artist and kind of evolved uh, into strictly a cover artist and just do you know it's in this excelling in, in that. I think <laughs> I think a lot of um, a lot of cover artists like I mean that that scene is like a higher profile gig like you have to establish establish yourself as an interior artist before. Right you get to do because yeah i would imagine because it's a lot more work being an interior artist so i imagine a cover artist is someone that probably gets paid per page more than an interior artist is so it absolutely they're selling the book a lot of people myself included i'm guilty of it is, is buying books strictly for the covers exactly especially when it comes to j scott campbell and david nakayama some of my favorite artists Mm-hmm. But we get another exclusive interview with David Nakayama. And of course, you mentioned Al Ewing earlier. Yeah. So I did the interview Al Ewing fresh from his Marvel's uh, panel, which is pretty right. impressive just to get that follow up from that. And then we go to the press area and we get um, some interviews with the, the showrunners of two animated series. Uh, one is called Kiff. Mm hmm. And they're South South African um, creators that you got to talk to. 
Zod, and I know you had to run through the Marvel panel then. And then myself, I get to interview the creators and showrunners of Phineas and Ferb. So that was a uh, an exciting day one. And then after that, where do we go, Zod? Uh, well, we pretty much had to nice. check into the hotel and and uh, get ready for the exclusive Paramount Plus NYCC after party. Zod, what did you think about that after party? Oh, it was fun as hell. The uh, the drinks were flowing. There was lots yes, of great were, food. Oh my god! Some hot girls, dude. Hot girls is right. Uh, so the the oh my god. <laughs> and it's funny. I I told, told you this. I think I, I'm not gonna mention her name because I don't really know her. But I remember seeing like one of her hottest cosplayer girls, and then just talking to her. She had very unpleasant breath. And uh, when <laughs> when, when, I, when a very attractive girl has has body odor or bad breath, it really like just takes it out, just really lowers the. You don't think it, you don't think it like humanizes her though a little bit because it's it's actually showing like you know they they used they they say sometimes like you know beauty seems much more realistic when there's some kind of flaw, and you can see it that way with. Uh, so would you, you know who I'm referring to, would you overlook the bad breath for, well, let's theoretically speak. Um, <laughs> theoretically speaking. Theoretically speaking. Um, it depends. I didn't, I didn't get a chance to get close enough to, uh, to this person to really smell the breath. So I don't know how bad it was, but, uh, and that's the that's- beauty of like, you know. You, yeah. you offer some gum, you know. <laughs> that, that's pretty much what we have to do. But you talk about the the the, the drinks blowing. I mean, the, they had signature cocktails in theme for the peak screaming mm-hmm. uh, theme because it's a a big uh, horror slate uh, for Paramount Plus. And um, the music was great. And in fact, Zod, it was mostly old school music, like. Like early 2000s yeah. to like the 80s. It was like old school. Yeah, I know. Like they were playing old school hip hop, played Black yep. Sheep, played Digital Underground. Yep. Played, uh, yeah, yep. it was really cool shit. D-Light, remember D-Light? Actually, the classic yeah. that I selected for uh, tonight, which you'll hear a little later, is uh, one is, of the songs. Is a song from that night. That's a song from that night, and you'll get to hear what it is. Um, so that was a uh, night one, a day and night one, and then night two or day two rather, we get to Comic Con nice and early, and uh, you get to interview a legendary voice actor in Lenore Zan, who voiced yeah X Men the animated series, which we will be hearing tonight, and Lenore will reprise uh-huh. her voice in the X Men. 97 new season coming out on Disney Plus, which is pretty exciting. Do you do you have the do you have the X Men theme song that you could put on <laughs> before the? Uh... I could do it in post. I don't have it. I don't have it prepped, but I can do it in post. <laughs> we will do it in post. How this? Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, that's still like one of my all-time favorite TV themes. Oh, the theme is wonderful. In fact, uh. A friend mentioned once that it remind the theme reminds me of I'm Your Baby Tonight, 
Yeah, a little bit. Want from me, whatever you want uh, from me. I'm your baby tonight. And then the theme goes. I don't know. I can see how like the comparisons are there. But yes, Lenore Zan, and we got to chat with our our friend Lainey Fenimore and artist Nathan Zerdy. Sadly, Nathan was not available uh-huh. for um, We did want him. We saw some great cosplayers on. I mean, there was an Omni Man and a Mysterio, a really, really great Mysterio yeah. cosplayer. I mean, that Mysterio, was, amazing. Yes, and some really hot, hot uh, cosplayers too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You were you were really into that. Uh, you were really into that. Yeah, I remember that magic from the X Men. It was oh, like, uh, you know, what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, the magic. Uh, I love magic. Yeah. It's, uh, she's one of the hotter characters in in uh, the Marvel universe, and yeah, that cosplayer was awesome. And then we get to interview mm-hmm. some creators and artists, Ali, uh, on day two, uh, with um, writer Jason Aaron. Um, which uh, we're gonna play on a on a future uh, episode of BTB. Jason Aaron, um, what is he best known for, Zadi? Uh, probably is Thor, or like some of his independent work, like Southern Bastards, or Scalp, Scalped, or um, he also had a really long run on Avengers, and he had a really long run on the X Men too. And yeah, he's a uh, like it 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 seems like every uh every few years there's this um stable of writers that get a ton of work in Marvel or DC and he was that for a while but i think he's uh kind of slowing that down a little bit and going to his more creator creator owned stuff but he was cool to talk to he's another guy like on the internet a lot of people a lot of people weren't huge fans of his Avengers run, and I can understand really? why, because it got really bloated. But it was and kind of confusing for a while. But it was you cannot you cannot fault uh, can't say it wasn't ambitious because it was ambitious as hell. But he's also but probably like I mean his Thor run is considered absolute uh, absolute gold when it comes to now, major characters like. Thor movie, uh, the the latest one is kind of loosely based on his Thor, um, his Thor story, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, because he was Thor? Uh, the entire story with um, Jane Foster as Thor, and yes. also introduced Gore the God Butcher. Gore the God right. Butcher is such a cool character in the comics. <laughs> so that was, and that was, I, I'm not sure they did it correctly in the yeah. That's cool to know. The creator of Gore the God Butcher and the creator of Jane Foster as Lady Thor. And it didn't end there, Zod. We talked to uh, probably one of the the biggest artists from form, formerly Mar- Marvel, then he went off an image. And that's uh, Savage Dragons, Savage Dragon creator Eric Larson, who... Uh, yeah, he was, he was a blast to talk to. He's, yeah. He was actually a really... Because a lot of the other interviews, I think they're... You know, we'll, we'll get to the other one. Yeah, they they kind of <laughs> yeah they, they they try to they try to stay like really proper so they don't say things that are like controversial or anything like or at least uh they don't say things that but, like but and Eric Larson, he, like, Eric Larson has, no punches. 
no filter at all. He, and I was very curious about. I think the, it, it probably it probably helps that Eric is his own boss and he's already <laughs> pretty rich, and so like he doesn't well, have to worry about. I, you I know. was always I was always curious why Savage Dragon became um, more adult oriented and, and very graphic with the sex and the nudity and uh, well the violence I think was always there but the sex and the nudity I mean you had hardcore like you know and he he, he talked about it which is really interesting uh, so that's a really good interview and a, a very lovely creator Gazelle Omar Azadi um, who is the first Afghan American graphic novelist. And she uh-huh. wrote um, 357 Magnum Opus and Pimp Killer. And uh, um, this is um, a career that we both were not familiar with, but they reached out to us uh, about uh, some coverage. So we were happy to interview and talk. You know, we're, we like to interview the, um, the, the, um, the indie, um, indie creators as well, Zod, don't we? Yeah, we do. We do. And she was she was very it was very interesting to hear her origin, like how she got into comics and like you know, her, her creative process and really, really cool stuff. Yeah. And last but not least, legendary X-Men writer, Chris Claremont. Uh, Zod, we're going to be hearing that interview tonight. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. He I was super excited to talk to him. Unfortunately, we didn't have that much time to talk. We caught him just as he was leaving but okay. I mean, it's it's no uh, it wouldn't be an overstatement to say that his stories pretty much uh, really um, kind of drove my childhood. And so it was exciting to meet him, even if even if the the uh, like, you know, it, even in in this like truly abbreviated fashion. Well, uh, can you can you mention the fact that uh, he, he was a little bit of a curmudgeon as well? Maybe a little bit, but it's okay. Okay, okay. it had that effect <laughs> on older creators. I don't know. Oh, it seems like <laughs> Zod. It seems like the older creators, like the Art Adams, the the Brian Azzarellos, the Howard Chakins, the the Chris Claremonts, just they just have a little bit of a just a very very yeah very curmudgeon, very cantankerous type type of creators, right? It seems like the young guys bit. are all right. But the old guys, yeah, the young guys, of- the young guys, a lot of the young guys, even when they're established, they're not super established yet the way that the um, the older guys are. So maybe that has something to do with it. And yeah, um, <laughs> yep. but I, I still maintain I still maintain that um, the uh, like the, the Howard Chaikin interview, Howard Chaikin was actually a great interview. He answered, it was a great interview once he yeah. calmed down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um and the same thing, like I don't hold anything against I don't like Brian Azarella I was a little inexperienced, so I don't think I asked him the right questions. And, right. but like, you know, Chris Claremont, like, I still gotta give him some props because he's you know, like I said, I mean he is uh for for years and years and years he could do no <laughs> wrong. And <laughs> His, his writing his writing style is kind of like not in vogue the way it used to be. I mean, it's oh. it's super verbose. He has these like weird, um, not weird, but very distinctive uh, dialogue ticks that his characters have. 
like they you know they say things like world of hurt is <laughs> something that they say all the time and um or like but he's also the one who coined all that stuff like you know wolverine's famous line on the best there is of what they of what i do and what i do ain't very nice that's been done so many times and he's the one who coined it or the welcome to the x-men <laughs> such and such you hope you survive the experience that's been done so many times so and he's like you know at a time where he was far and away the biggest star writer for the biggest comic book company in the world so mark phoenix yep mark phoenix that that was seen in both uh the original x-men movies and of course uh, the well with Famke Jansen playing uh, Jean Grey, and then of course repeated in the Dark Phoenix film for X Men uh, with Sophie Turner. Uh huh. So both the both both different takes of of the Dark Phoenix story. Well, that was uh, it for Comic Con Day Two, and then after that we got to experience a very cool Buffy the Vampire Slayer activation um, block over from from the Javits Center of the Convention Center for New York Comic Con, and one thing they could they can promote um with the actor strike is podcasts podcasts aren't affiliated you know with the strike and it was uh written by amber benson uh who was in the cast of buffy the vampire slayer and they had this whole elaborate pop-up zod it was super duper cool i mean yeah, they had that, was, that was themed dope. drinks they had um a photo booth with like a very attractive slayer my god uh-huh uh, um, they had uh, like a mausoleum with some of the, the Buffy characters. They had um, kind of like a theatrical uh, performance, which is really cool. Uh, signature mocktails, as opposed to cocktails. No alcohol in these drinks, Zadi. <laughs> and a very cool gift um, pop-up activation type where you have to do a scavenger hunt of sorts. Uh-huh. And then you turn in your, your results of your scavenger hunt. And you get a prize, and it was a very w- unique way to get a prize, wasn't it, Zod? <laughs> yeah. you go to this booth, and you this just this creepy hand, reminiscent of the thing from like Wednesday, and, and the Adams family opens up a box and gives you a Buffy slay uh, of Slayers rather Buffy verse story bucket hat. So, <laughs> um, very very cool. They had a really cool like um. Uh, kind of a smoke and mirrors uh, immersive uh, show as well. Um, it also really had great music. They were playing like and the, the and music, Zadi, and yeah. the music. So what a great Comic Con, Zadi. I mean, that was pretty much what we experienced. Of course, we didn't get to go all four days, but there are some other highlights of of things that we did miss that we should probably mention. They did have a panel. Regarding the galaxy uh, earlier in the morning, and we missed that one. Yeah. And of course, they, they of course they really couldn't talk about it. In fact, they had a really funny. Um, they <laughs> they called them security guards of the Milky Way panel instead of <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy, which I thought was kind of fun. But uh-huh. because they weren't really allowed to discuss much of anything, you know, that includes talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, so it just kind of was a, it just made things really weird. I mean, they had the same thing with Ian McGregor. He had a, a spotlight on the um, panel as well. But one thing that's not affected by the strike where you can do full panels includes uh, animated shows like Invincible. Invincible had 
a panel which they debuted their season two um uh trailer which again zod i would put invincible right up there with rick and morty and harley quinn for the best animated series I, those three i think are the best ones uh invincible is just that good and i know there's a show that you really like zod called archer and they actually had panel and they dropped their final um trailer for there's their i guess their final season because they're wrapping up yeah this is a bummer I, we had that i missed that i would have liked to have seen that but oh well that would be really cool yeah i guess that that, that archers I, I believe, oh go ahead no i believe that occurred on friday so yeah uh, archer's been on for a long long time it's been on for like god i want to say like 15 years so it's probably it's, it's 2009. about 2009 yeah. is a when it's uh started so that that's a long run um so one particular which i thought was a struck show but apparently was able to you know go through the loopholes was walking dead um and they actually had a panel on thursday for the ones who live which is the rick and michonne um spinoff so they did that and they also uh discussed um daryl dixon spinoff which uh as you know daryl dixon ends up in france for some weird reason <laughs> after the end of the walking dead series amc also had an interview with the vampire uh trailer and uh audiences got a first uh taste of, of season two uh, as well and then you have like indie indie things that that have we're able to have panels like VHS 85, uh, which is the long, uh, latest entry in the, the, the found footage, um, anthology series. I don't know if you've seen any of the VHS movies, Zadi. Um, and of course, I have uh, not. Didn't you haven't. Okay. And no, of course, I haven't um, seen any of them. There's another, uh, called classic horror film called strangers, the strangers. Um, and, um, it's, so 15 years ago, the original Strangers movie became the, the, the cult classic hit, but now they have a third third Strangers movie uh, that they just announced at Neurocom as well. And then, of course, they got stuff for the kids, you know, like uh, Five Nights at Freddy's and Disney's Goosebumps, uh, which they have um, they premiered the debut episode at Neurocomicon. Um. Now, Apple TV was able to actually show some trailers, but not have any of the actors present um, to talk about um, the shows. Uh, one is Monarch Legacy of Monsters. They actually had they actually had um, a trailer drop for that, as well as uh, Apple TV's adaptation of The Changeling and the upcoming. Um, third season of for all mankind so all those trailers also dropped as well and um of course uh, video games video games was a big part of, of new york comic-con and then they have a, a very interesting collaboration dark trek and kid cuddy which i thought was interesting they actually <laughs> had that pop-up display in the main vendor um floor right zod uh but that's a video yeah. game it's a video game so star trek Kid Cuddy, Mirror Mayhem um, was another big part of the New York Comic Con. And yeah. uh, 
but you know and so so that's cool but then so this is where it com- becomes really weird because now they're having panels that have nothing to do with fandoms or the things that, that you know, some of the, our favorite things are comic books, superheroes, sci-fi, fantasy, horror, all the genre stuff, right, Zod? They actually had a Hallmark. The mm-hmm. so Hallmark, I guess, is under a different contract that's not affected by the strike. Say they had a Hallmark battle uh-huh. with... Uh, uh, promoting the movie uh, The Way Home. Actually, it's not a movie. It's a series uh, about three generations of women who find themselves reunited after 20 years apart. And it stars uh, <laughs> Andy McDowell and Chyler Lay. And uh, I know you like Chyler Lay, Zadi, because she played Supergirl's sister in uh, right. Supergirl on the CW. She was also in Not Another Teen Movie. So. Uh, yeah, um, but yeah, that's what we missed at uh, New York Comic Con. We definitely have to talk about some of the highlights. Um, of the uh, other highlights, because we were only there for two of the four days, uh, but we had a tremendous time, didn't we? I mean, literally, you know, I was a little leery about going during the strike because, yeah, you know, we can't go. There's not going to be as many panels, but you know what? There's still they still had the celebrity autographs, the photo ops. They still, you know, they had panels, but, you know, they had to kind of work around it. But overall, you know, it was a very, very successful con. And uh, we had a great time, man. But um, I guess we'll uh, move on to um, to a few movie stuffs before we take a uh, classic break. Can you believe that Taylor Swift is the box office queen, the heiress to her concert film made um, an estimated... 95 million over the weekend and it's interesting because that movie is only going to drop thursday through sunday it's not going to drop uh, monday tuesday and wednesday because that particular movie is a very interesting one because they don't adhere to normal movie theater etiquette they're encouraging people to stand up uh-huh. Act like they're at a concert and sing along, and it's just—it's a little odd. I guess I'm—I'm I'm curious more than every anything. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm the biggest Taylor Swift fan, but uh, you're not a Swifty. You could be a Swifty. It's okay. I, 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 I think it's okay to be a Swifty, of course. But uh, you know, um, she's super successful. She's an incredible artist. But uh, but yeah, the number one movie was the Eras Tour, uh, Zod, which is. <laughs> pretty crazy um but uh i guess it's no surprise i mean taylor swift's concert sold out everywhere and this is really the only place that most people can can see the taylor swift concert at an affordable price so um second place was the exorcist believer 11 million so that's a big difference 95 million to 11 million for the second place (laughs) (laughs) I wonder what that's like. Is that like when um, when The Force Awakens opened up and it was also, uh, what, Baby Mama (laughs) opened up that same day? Was that the similar disparage? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so that makes a lot of sense. And then very low numbers for the rest of the top five. Paw Patrol with 7 million. Saw X with 5.6 million. And The Creator, which I still need to see. I really want to see The Creator. Uh, made uh, 4.3 million, and that's the 
that rounds up the top five of the box off. Remind me what the creator is. The creator's all about AI. Uh, oh, that's the one. So okay. it's about the a war that we. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That did look it's good. It's humans and AI is directed by Gareth Edwards of Rogue One and stars John David Washington. That's right. Yeah, yeah that that did look good. Yep. So. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting that that the Taylor Swift fan, uh, the Eras Tour, uh, film was number one, uh, but you know. Uh, some people just thought it was the worst screening because they can't even hear Taylor because of other people singing in theater and stuff like that. <laughs> so uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. For so According to one particular Taylor Swift fan that attended a screening, people were so disrespectful. Like there were some that actually were kicked out of the room because they were being so rude. They completely ruined a lot of people's experiences there. I'm at the worst screening ever. Can't even hear Taylor. So, <laughs> uh, well, what else is coming up um, in theaters? Well, Pillars of the Flower Moon is going to be dropping soon. Um, and, of course, that's going to have a theatrical run before it drops on, drops on Apple TV. And then the Marvels, Zod. I know you're a fan of uh, Brie Larson and the Marvels. Uh, I'm pretty sure you and I will be checking out that film. Um, that's going to drop on November 10th. They're only estimating that um, 70 million to 80 million. That's all the film is going to make. That's that's pretty low. For the entire run, that's what they're estimating? No, no way. Oh, no, no, opening, for opening weekend, not for the entire uh, run. Uh, okay, okay. They're kind of basing it on Ant-Man because Ant-Man in 2015 only made 57 million. This is the first Ant-Man movie. Uh-huh. So. And I mean, to be fair, Captain Marvel is a great character, but like, you know, it's not the same as if it was like a Captain America or a Spider-Man movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you and I will still see it. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, upcoming tra- trailers. Of course, just of, course. Drop- not- of course, it's superhero movie job. We're gonna see it. Uh, yeah. Upcoming, tra- upcoming trailers. Napoleon, a new trailer just dropped, which I'm really curious to see. The amazing Joaquin Phoenix's take on Napoleon Bonaparte, but apparently he does not have a French accent. I guess maybe I don't know what the creative um, decision was for him not to use um the accent but apparently ridley scott made the decision to have all of his actors use their real accents so vanessa kirby uses her english accent while playing bonaparte's wife josephine it's kind of interesting i mean it's like they call it a modern take on the historical you know biopic of napoleon but it's like it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like an Elseworlds <laughs> because well, it's not unprecedented. <laughs> They've done that before, where they have yeah. um, historical. I mean, they they do that a lot with like works of literature, where they um, yeah, they do. Well, I mean, they did that with. I mean, a really famous example of that is Romeo and Juliet with um, Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Danes. Oh yes, with, yes, I love yeah. that. I love or, that. 
by the way. And they did one with like Richard the Third. Um, I think mm-hmm. that had uh, Ian McKellen. Uh, that was in like either the late '90s or early 2000s. So, like I said, I mean, it's not it's not unprecedented for them to do that. And honestly, like it would it might be more distracting to if like these American and British actors are trying to affect a a French accent, then. And like uh, then it is like immersing it yeah, like suddenly it'd be like when Peter Sellers was, uh, you know, Inspector Clouseau and he had that like really, really character, uh, really, really stereotypical French accent yeah. in it. Well, it's interesting because Adam Driver will be using an Italian accent for the Enzo Ferrari biopic called Ferrari because um, I saw the trailer. <laughs> they just dropped a new trailer. So they're going to stick to. And yeah, you know, from what I could tell from the trailer, um, you know, I guess the the the, the Italian accent on uh, Adam Driver Driver is possible, but <laughs> but the actual trailer itself, Zod, is a must see. It was wild. There's a pretty insane accident scene that is just is very cringy. One that you should check out in the trailer that just dropped. Um, okay. And speaking of great trailers. I finally got to see the trailer of a really great actor, as you know, Jeffrey Wright from Westworld and Commissioner Gordon. He's got a new film called American Fiction, which we talked about here on BTV, but the trailer finally dropped. And uh, there's a lot of buzz, like uh, he could win the Oscar with this role. They're saying that his performance in it was just mind-blowing, mind-blowing performance. Um but um, you know he's a struggling novelist who watches his competition profits from black entertainment and it plays into the cultural stereotypes. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a, definitely a film that could be uh, on watch for the Oscars. And then you have this really, really interesting film called Eileen, uh, starring Anne Hathaway and Thomas and McKenzie. The trailer just dropped for that as well. And uh, basically introduces Eileen, who is played by Anne Hathaway. Um, and uh, actually, sorry. Uh, Anne Hathaway plays a character, Rebecca, who is a prison psychologist. And um, Eileen, the character Eileen is played by Thomas and Mackenzie. There you go. Um, and uh what else what else do we have um we also have a a great uh rom i guess a rom rom-com called anyone but you um and it's sydney sweeney and glenn powell sydney sweeney probably one of the hottest actresses out right now zadi Uh, (laughs) yeah she's definitely definitely easy on the eyes easy on the eyes and she's She's playing opposite um, Top Gun Mavericks, uh, Glenn Powell. So uh, um, that that trailer was, uh, you can see uh, Sydney Sweeney in a bikini. Um, and then there's another uh, trailer for George Clooney's directorial effort called The Boys in the Boats. Now, could sound a little homoerotic at first side, but no, it's, it's really <laughs> about um, a rowing team in college during the Depression era. And um, and it takes place in 1936. And apparently 
this team, um, this college team goes over to Germany um, at the, the 1936 Summer Olympics in Berlin. Um, and at the time, Germany, uh, during the 1930s, as you know, Zod, was, was, was partially occupied by Nazi Germany. So, uh, yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, so. Partially <laughs> Oh, that's right. It was the entire nation of, of Germany, wasn't it? So definitely not. Definitely should should play for some interesting, interesting uh, storyline there, right, Zod? For sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like uh, you know, there's uh, there's a lot of great movies that take place in 1930s Germany. I mean, they all have the same undercut of like like um. It was a when when did this come out? Like in the late eighties, early nineties, called Swing Kids. And that oh, was yeah, actually a good movie. Kids. I remember, I remember that one. Yeah. I remember seeing one. that as a kid. And yeah, and it's like you know, these German kids, but they're you know, they're living in Nazi Germany, but they're and they're not happy with the way the government is, but they're still kids and they can't really um and they're they're kind of like resisting their government, and in this case with swing dancing, which I guess you know when when I describe it like that, it sounds kind of cringy, but it was actually like a good movie. Yeah, <laughs> and that took place um, during during Germany in the 1930s. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. That you'll see you'll see a lot of that. Like, and the the <laughs> it's always really interesting to see. Maybe because they they tend to be like smaller in scope, but they show like, you know, that, you know, like the people of Germany at that time, they weren't just some Nazi loving monolith. And, um, you know, like I would think, you know, for the longest time, the uh, at least uh, 40 percent of Germans hated like, you know, the same way at least, uh, you know, when Donald Trump was president of the U.S., a lot of Americans hated Donald Trump. But, um, you know, during that time that he was the face of uh, face of America. And right. it's it's interesting to see those kinds of stories. Pretty anal- analogous to, to the, the that one as well. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. All right. So films and production. So, as you know. Um, some films can, um, resume production due to SAG interim agreement. Um, and some films are on pause, but are being written because the writer's strike is over. Um, there's actually a new alien movie called Alien Romulus. Um, and, uh, apparently director Fede Alvarez is reviving the alien franchise next year with a new sequel. And the film will tell a story within the alien universe after the film franchise came to a halt following Ridley Scott's prequel films, Prometheus and Alien Covenant. So uh, interesting to take another, uh, another iteration of the alien franchise. We'll see. Um, curious uh, how that one will compare to the other ones. Also, um, a crime thriller called The Hand of Dante, which had an interim agreement with SAG, will resume production. This has a great cast. Oscar Isaac, Poe Dameron, 
Jason Momoa, Aquaman, and Gerard Butler, 300, uh, attached. Um, and uh, I always like to throw in the uh, those type of movies with <laughs> those actors. But um, it's uh, in production in Italy and concerns the original manuscript of the Divine Comedy uh, as it uh, up in the black market. So <laughs> that's who's that is based on it's uh from a novel from nick toshi's um novel of the same name the hand of dante the hand of dante the hand of dante yeah and then james franco it looks like he's uh you know past his me too controversies Uh, he's working again will play a u.s navy sailor stationed in post-world war ii naples where he fathers a child and an Italian drama called Hey Joe that's currently shooting in uh, in Italy. I think uh, a lot of the Italian... Is it made by an Italian company? Is that why it's called, why you called it an Italian drama? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think it's, I think it's going to be an Italian. It's directed by Claudio Giovanesi. So. Okay. Pretty Italian as you can get. And the rest of the cast, as a <laughs> besides Drain Franco, is very very italian francesco di napoli giulia ercolini Agnello arena and francesco montori <laughs> so i would i would i would guess that it was a very it's a very italian film and probably because of that is not affected by the strike and right yeah <laughs> and then you have an indie horror comedy called hack with chandler riggs from stranger things sorry not stranger things jesus the Walking Dead. Uh, the Walking Dead. The Walking Dead. Um, and this was also granted an interim agreement by SAG-AFTRA, and it's actually inspired by uh, true events. Um, Hacked follows the story of a family who loses everything to a hacker named the Chameleon, and apparently um, the parents and the kids get their entire digital lives hacked on social media. Um, even their online homework, uh, their social media, et cetera. Um, and uh, interesting because that's that's the that's that is something that that happens today and uh, to a lot of folks. I mean, if you're a victim of identity theft, myself included, it it, it uh, happens and it's a sad thing. Um, and then with the strike, there's been some delayed releases so uh the bike riders with austin butler jody comer and tom hardy has been postponed due to the actor strike so we're gonna have to wait till 2024 for that one also dune part two with timothy chalamet and the sports drama challenger starring zendaya have also been moved to 2024 so we have to wait a little while for that one um and um Deadpool 3, that will also be laid Zod. As you know, they were like midway through production and they had to put the brakes on uh, on finishing the movie. And actually, director Sean Levy, with half the film shot, decided to be proactive and edit the first half of the film they shot. So to kind of get them, which I think is a good idea, because if you get what what you've already shot edited and ready to go, that means that... uh, you won't be too far behind, you know. 
Um, but um, apparently they don't know when the film will be released because of the strike. Um, they thought it was going to be May 2024, but uh, they really want the movie to be released next year. But again, only half the movie has been filmed so far. There's also some rumors of casting for Deadpool 3, Zod. Taylor Swift is, is <laughs> she's been a recurring theme, but Taylor Swift is rumored to be playing Dazzler. This is what's been in the rumor sheets. <laughs> and apparently want it to be a surprise because Sean Levy, the director, dodged the question during um, Sirius XM Jess Cagle show. And uh, he pretty much had to say the cliche, no comment. And then said some of the rumors you read are false and some, some of what you read is true. And that's all he said. So... It wouldn't surprise that me if they wild. That wouldn't surprise me if they they uh, had Taylor Swift playing Dazzler. I mean, she'd be the perfect Dazzler, wouldn't she? Dodd, you're familiar with the Dazzler character. Well, of course, of course, and Dazzler. But can Taylor Swift like has she ever acted like? I can't think yeah. of anything she's acted in. This could be her actual. Well, she was on she was on an episode of New New Girl, the TV show New Girl. Yes. And she was okay, but it was pretty clear she there because she's Taylor Swift. It's not because of her acting ability. Yeah. She's playing herself. But that's and, and uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe she'll be a surprise. I'm assuming this is gonna be Cameo appearance. If it was a surprise, yeah, I think the, I think I think me? the rumors. I really think the rumors are true, Zod. Okay. I think he's. I think I think he's gonna. I think she's gonna uh, appear. And then there's another rumor about Daniel Radcliffe being the next Wolverine. Have you heard about yeah, that? Yeah, which I love that idea. I think Daniel Radcliffe. Uh, I actually really like Daniel Radcliffe as an actor. I think he's um, his post Harry Potter roles have been great. Like he's done yes. all sorts of like really weird movies. Hey, he played Weird Al in <laughs> yeah. the Weird Al pick, A which was awesome. role. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> so I think he could pull off Wolverine. He's also not very tall, so that's a little different than Hugh Jackman, but it's more Jackman's in line with tall. The- but it's more in line with the comic books and how he's written. Now, this yeah. is a um, apparently he was asked by his his uh, co-stars from his Broadway show, Merrily We Will Roll Along, during a Vanity Fair lie detector test, uh, if if Daniel Radcliffe will be playing Wolverine, Wolverine, and he said not true. He said not true, and because he apparently Daniel Radcliffe apparently got a little buff. And he's and and Daniel Radcliffe explained why I got buff. I got buff because I'm obsessive and I want to. You've seen my parents; they're like insane fitness people. So that's just just been passed on. But no, no wall, no Wolverine. Flattered, but no. <laughs> Flattered, but no. I mean, he's a short actor. I mean, and he said that. You know, I mean, every so he says every so often I I get bored of answering the questions sensibly, so I make a joke like I did it the other day and sort of get, and that sort of reunited the rumors of it. There's nothing going on. So there you go. But, um, 
Yeah, that's it. But I think when we get back, we're going to go into television and some Disney Plus stuff and other stuff going on in the world of entertainment. But we're going to take a classic break. And yes, Odd, I decided to play Black Sheep for the classic this or that, this or that. Because we had a funny video that I I, uh, took a video of the, the, the atmosphere at the after party for Paramount Plus. And then there are players, you know, black sheep. And then it goes to the part engine, engine number nine on the New York transit line. If my train goes off the track, pick it up, pick it up, pick, pick it, it up, up, pick it up, pick it up. And I, yeah. I pan over to you and you, we get into it. Man, what a, what a fun party, man. It just gives me a lot of just some joy. And, and uh, it was a lot of fun. So Zod, we're going to we're going to go to that for the classic cut. And we're going to go to our first two creator <laughs> interviews conducted by you, Zod. With Chris Claremont, Marvel icon, uh, and Al Ewing. That's going to be uh, the interviews you're going to listen to right now. And, of course, uh, closing out the show later on will be voice actor Lenore Zan. But that's later. So, all right. So here we go with the classic cut. And we'll be back right after that. Engine, engine number nine on the New York Transit line. If my train goes off the track, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. Back Come on. on the scene, crispy and clean. You Come can on. try, but then why? Cause you can't intervene. We be the outcast, down for the settle. Won't play rock, won't play the pebble. Open the door, you best believe we're sliding through it swiftly. Niftily, we can make it hip to be. Hey everybody, this is Mike the General Zod with Below the Belt Show, and I am geeking out in the best possible way because someone who is responsible for pretty much forming most of my childhood I have here with me. This is legendary comic book writer, the pretty much creator of every X-Men concept that you can think of, Chris Claremont. Every good one anyway. (laughs) (laughs) This is, he, Chris, it is no, uh, like, it is not an overstatement to say how much your work like formed me as uh, when when I was younger. So first of all, I have to say thank you for that. Well, thank you then for that. It's very kind. The um, so first thing I'd like to ask you is now that you've reached this because uh, you know you still have work regularly coming out and um, like do you do you uh, do you see like do you look back more fondly at your you know a lot of the classic stories that you've written or like do you find yourself like moving more forward in the future with like the uh the more recent stuff you're doing well of course a writer moves forward in the future it's what's the point of looking back is a nice concept but i'm more interested in what i'm doing now and what i'll be doing tomorrow and what i'll be doing next year that's that's the nature of things of course of course and um like uh, so, let's talk about. I mean, I would love to ask you some a uh, whole lot of questions about, you know, where the genesis for so many of your your great classic ideas like Days of Future Past and Dark Phoenix and etc. Where uh, where that came from? But I know like you you might be more interested in talking about your more recent stuff. Would you rather like tell me tell me things that you're excited about that you're working on right now? No, because I haven't finished them yet. <laughs> okay, <laughs> not being not being obnoxious about it though it probably sounds that way it's just the time 
you find out about what I'm working on is when it comes out, and then you can draw your own conclusions. If I talk about it right now, then why should I do it? Of course, of course, of course. Okay, so we'll we'll go back to uh, a lot of your a lot of your earlier work, like. Um, you know, you're you're very well known for writing strong female leads, yeah. and um, you know the did you did you find like was there a lot of resistance to that back no. in the seventies? No. <laughs> I mean, why would there be? Well, I mean, I guess uh, you know, like there may have been more of uh, an idea about the patriarchy. People can't quite. Uh, People can't quite gather. As far as me working in the X canon in the X office, there was no resistance, partly because the two editors that I worked most with in those days were Louise Simonson and Anna Senti, mm-hmm. who aside from being women, were two of the best editors I've ever worked with. So, and quite frankly, what we did in the X office was what we did, what was done in the Avengers office or the Fantastic Four office or the Spider-Man office was, that was their business. We didn't interfere, they didn't interfere, we moved on together. And the proof of the pudding was that we sold. Right. And we sold very well. And then we sold monstrously well. So who's going to ideally argue with that? Okay, okay. Are there um, uh, are there certain facets of the X Men or directions that they went in after you left? I don't know how how closely do you keep up with the stories since you left. I can't really, or I won't really comment on what happened after I left because that's none of my business. Uh, it's that's a discussion for you between the writers who did it, the editors who edited it. Uh, I was uh, for a period of time I was focused on my own work on other projects with George Lucas and such, Marvel is going its own direction. At this point now, um, I have minimal contact with the ex-office. They're the people you should ask about the projects they've been working on in the last few years, the projects they plan to work on in the next few years. If I become part of that, that's a whole different equation, but at the moment, I'm off to the side. Okay, so you, you don't see those characters as almost like your babies, though? Why? Okay, that's, that's fair. It's, the point is, this is... Marvel Studios does the movies their way. Marvel Production Comics does the movies their way. Mm-hmm. When I am part of, directly part of the process, then I, it's a, appropriate to contribute. When I'm not directly part of the process. I'm like you, a reader. I have opinions, but I can share them or keep them to myself. That's my business. What I focus on is the work I'm doing, some of which is mine, some of which is mine working for Marvel, but that's... that is best judged when it actually comes out. And sometimes it comes out and it's 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 a success. Sometimes it's less of that. So... It's it's an ongoing process, and right now I am fortunate enough to work for Marvel, to work for aspects of the the of the X canon that I've I have uh, directly affected in the past. For example, 
I'll be in February. The Wolverine Madripoor Knights series will come out, Very cool. which picks up from a specific issue in the canon, mm-hmm. and literally starts two hours after that issue ends. So we're going to be seeing lots of patch on the first page. Okay, <laughs> but then you'll have to wait and see the issues until you make any further judgments. But I guarantee you, it's unexpected and a whole lot of fun. Awesome, awesome. And it involves Captain America and the Black Widow. Oh, okay, so it's that specific storyline yeah. right here. Okay, that is going to be really cool, really, really cool, because that is a... You probably understand why Captain America doesn't hang out with Wolverine too much. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Mr. Claremont, thank you so much for taking the time to, to talk to us. Um, if you could, could you just uh, give us a little promo where you, uh, you know, introduce yourself, say uh, you're listening to and watching Below the Belt show, and maybe make a joke or insult us or maybe give some word of wisdom. Hi, I'm Chris Claremont, speaking to you at the last, the last hours of the New York Comic Con. 2023. I've been talking with Below the, Belt. Below the Belt, and they once they want me to say something funny. But as John Belushi discovered to his amusement, I have no sense of humor, which is why John, which is why Jim Shooter patted me on the head and say, said, "Don't worry, John. We only let him out on special occasions." Thank you so much. And that's a reference to a famous Marvel team-up story that you wrote, right? And a famous TV comedy show that is about to enter into its 50th year. So we've both been around for a really long time. (laughs) Once again, thank you very much, Chris Claremont. Hey there, this is Mike the General Zod here with Below the Belt Show, and I am in... I'm in kind of in geek awe here, because I've got geek royalty here. This is Al Ewing. Al Ewing is the architect of so many amazing X-Men stories most recently, and he's also did this fantastic run in Guardians of the Galaxy, and I can go way back to Mighty Avengers, but thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Oh, no, it's very happy to. Um, I'm sort of uh, in Where's where's Wally mode. at this particular convention, I'm sort of slightly under the radar, so uh, I'm happy to talk to anyone who can find me. Right, right, right. And it's, sometimes it's really fun to be incognito, especially since you're so prolific. Well, I, I am writing a lot of books at the minute. Um, I'm in one of my more one of my busier spells, um, but it's all it's all fun stuff. And yeah, the X stuff in particular, we're kind of coming in for the the rise of the powers of X the fall of the house of X uh, this whole fall of the house of X or fall of the house of 10 it was a little confusing we we it's how we feel okay. in any given minute I think I think Kieran's Kieran's playing a little as the powers of 10 I've been thinking of it as like the powers of X um, but to be honest 
to let you in on a horrible secret, uh, when the original Mini uh, David way, way back when, I always just, I thought of it as like Powers of X. Yeah. I know, I know Hickman was like, uh, I know it's Powers of 10, I just, that never sank in, so. <laughs> I'm probably not the best person to ask that question. Okay. How, um, how collaborative, like, uh, how closely collaborative are you with uh, Kieran Gillen and Jonathan Hickman and all of them? Well, like, we're really, uh, Jonathan not so much anymore because he went on his travels yeah. and now he is among the gods. Um, Kieran, though, I mean, you know, we're, we're good friends, like, uh, in our actual lives, but also the X-Office as a whole is a really, like, tight-knit community mm -hmm. um, in that we kind of share a, a virtual space okay. that we're sort of always hanging around in. We talk to each other a lot. We kind of run things past each other. We make sure we're kind of not bumping in. We, we try and kind of... Uh, we, we do a lot of stuff to kind of keep the books, like, coherent and uh, and together and all on the same wheels. And that's how you get to have some fun things like characters kind of bouncing from one book to the next. Mm -hmm. Or, like, plot lines like The Four Sinisters kind of <laughs> going across various titles. Yeah, it's uh, it sometimes seems like you need to... I mean... I gotta say, the the ex editorial team they must have a really really they they do a Herculean task of keeping all of that continuity together between all of you guys though. They are great. I mean, Jordan's been fantastic as like the the ex editor in chief, but like um, yeah, just and and all everybody else. Uh, yeah, Lawrence, Lawrence, amazing. It's it's mostly Jordan and Lauren with me. Um, but like we've just had it's it's the teams we've had uh, the teams I've been working with in in the X office have just been just top notch and I couldn't have really have been luckier from a writing perspective to be kind of collaborating with the people that are happy um, you know from Valeria right through to like Luciano right right coming up uh, which I think the news just dropped about I was delivering that particular bombshell absolutely yeah that I mean can we still talk about it I don't know if uh, you know because they they said we during the uh, during the panel I mean I think we can probably I mean the words the word resurrection of Magneto has been broadcast to the world previous to today mm -hmm. so I think uh, along with I think my name and Luciano's um, so I think uh, that cat is out of the bag. Okay. In terms of the specific images that you may or may not have seen, if you're in that room, uh, I couldn't possibly comment. Okay. But okay. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure they'll be all over the web soon enough. Yeah. Well, there were some pretty cool images, so you're missing out if you didn't see them, but you will eventually. So, um, moving on from, uh, like, how long do you plan on staying with the X-Men in the X franchise? Um, I think I'm kind of tied to the, uh, I'm a little bit tied to the fate of the island and the, uh, so, you know, we're witnessing the fall, we're seeing the rise, um, I think as long as, yeah, as, as, I think I'll, I'll be seeing this particular story through to the end. <laughs> After that, whether I'm part of um, the oncoming Tom era, uh, that is a question for Tom to answer. <laughs> At his leisure, uh, we shall have to wait and see. Well, I mean, he'd be... 
I don't want to speak ill of Tom Brevoort, but he'd be kind of an idiot to let you go. So, well, I mean, that's very that's very kind of you to say. Uh, I think, I mean, Tom's Tom's had experience with me, so you know, he's he knows my strengths and weaknesses by now. Do you? Are there? Is there anything outside of the the X franchise and hell, even maybe outside of Marvel or DC that you're working on or want to work on? Um, I've I've got a few sort of irons in the fire in terms of like um, uh, we only find them when they're dead. Just had a, a deluxe edition release, which is uh, a slipcase thing. It's got the entire timeline kind of managed and like moderated by me mm-hmm. in the back. It's got all of that amazing Simone de Mayo art. Um, beautiful the whole way through. All of it can be yours. In fact, I believe if you're here at New York Con, and I don't know if this is like going out live or whatever, but if you're here, if you're still here at New York Con, um, stay in line at Simone Tomei's table. He's a very good writer. Yes, he um, is. Thank you. It's Tom King. Tom King. We did. We had the pleasure of interviewing Tom King. Uh, and he just photo bombed us. Um, but like, yeah, basically. So that that has just been released as a kind of deluxe thing with the whole story. So that's you know pick that up. Um, I'll be talking about that on my newsletter. I haven't had a chance to yet because of the whole you know if you're getting that in your inboxes, um, it's Al Ewing writes comics on Ghost.io is is where to get intermittent news for me. Anytime there's a comic, I tell you, uh, ideally. Al Ewing writes comics at Ghost.io. Yeah, that right? that's how to find me. Um, and you know, there's other little things. There's other little treats I do as well sometimes. But uh, yeah, basically, in terms of future books, you know, stuff for Marvel, um, perhaps stuff for other places that I cannot yet speak of. Okay. And also, at some point, I want to do some something with interactive fiction. Oh. That's a big plan. That's always buzzing away in the back of my noggin. It's mm-hmm. like. A little interactive fiction, a little sort of game book. I got mm-hmm. bit. I got bit by the game book bug with with you or Deadpool. Oh, okay. I thought you know that was a great comic. It were could, you, were it you could big... have been a better game system. Mm-hmm. Were you a big fan of Choose Your Own Adventure books as a kid? Yeah, Fighting Fantasy, uh, yeah. Steve Jackson Sorcery, all of that. Plus, in the UK, we had a comic called Dice Man. Oh, and if you swing by uh, the Rebellion booth, ask them about it, because they just recently published the whole of Dice Man as a hardback. That's nothing to do with me. I've, I've not written any of that, but I'm recommending it to you as a reader. Uh, I'm just going to stare into the camera's eye like Doctor Who and recommend it as a reader that you get Dice Man. Dice Man, you heard Dice it Man here. from 2000 AD. Okay. It's some of the best game comics that have ever been done. It's a huge influence on me. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're any sort of fan of, never mind like Judge Dredd, Rogue Trooper, Nemesis, The Warlock, Slain, or Slonai, um, you know, you may if you're a fan of one of those, pick it up. Uh, but also, if you're a fan of game books, if you're a fan of Steve Jackson, if you're a fan of uh-huh. like, uh, you know, the choose your own choose your own adventure. The choose your own adventures. Um, yeah, pick pick that up. I hardly it has my seal of approval, my absolute recommendation. Okay, okay. Well, uh, Al, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. This has been amazing, and I can tell you how much I and I'm sure lots of our listeners are 
such huge fans of your work. Thank you. So, if possible, could you uh, could you give us a little promo where you just introduce yourself and say you're listening to Below the Belt Show, and then I don't know some kind of joke or bon mot at the bon mo at okay. the end. Hey, my name's Al Ewing, and you're listening to the Below the Belt Show, where nobody is dressed below the belt. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Right. I'm, I'm probably not the first person to do that joke. <laughs> well, we're back, Zod. That was uh, This or That <laughs> this or that by Black Sheep, uh, but it's actually called The Choice is Yours. That's the official title. Uh, this or That is... Uh, yeah, the choice is yours. <laughs> Followed by Al Ewing and Chris Claremont. Um, yeah, two of yeah. Marvel's... That, that Claremont interview was thing, wasn't? <laughs> he wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't a talker that day. Let's just say, right? He, no, he, he was very. Not. He's probably. I have a feeling. I have a feeling. What it is is he's so like he's he's probably so inured with people like me of a certain age. Or like, oh my God, you're the greatest thing ever, and like you know, he's so jaded for him. He's probably yeah. so jaded by it, right? Yeah. All right. Well, moving on, guys. Let's talk about some Disney Plus stuff. Well, um, trying to be spoiler free. Um, in the episode two review, I mean, it was a great episode. Uh, it started uh, uh, with this character called X5. Uh, does that ring a bell, Zod? Yes, it does. X5 is, uh, that is, oh, I'm thinking, is it X5 or X21? I haven't seen the episode yet, so I okay. can't tell you for sure. Is it yes. is X5 a robot? No, X Five is actually uh, a human um, wh- who uh, apparently um, went back in time um, uh-huh. to um, I think he, it was like the 1950s and, and uh, kind of like the golden age of Hollywood era, okay. and they traveled because apparently he had some information leading to the location of Sylvie. Oh, and, uh, okay. I'm thinking of someone else because it might have been X21. That's uh, the another name for the character Machine Man, who's like this yeah. like superhero. That's what I'm thinking of. Okay. Yeah. And of course, you know the whole, and you already know that Loki and, and Mobius are obviously trying to find Sylvie. And last we saw in episode one, she went to McDonald's and ended up working there. Um, and, uh, lo and behold, Sylvie was working at the McDonald's whole time, <laughs> but it was a really, uh, really entertaining episode. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, Loki, Loki is a very visceral show. Um, um, but it's very good. It's very good. So, uh, I feel like the best is yet to come for Loki. So, um, and in addition, um, uh, Disney plus series, the Santa Clauses. Just dropped a trailer for its second season, and uh, as you know, <laughs> Disney Plus um, decided to make a series of the Santa Claus films, which is set after the events of all the films. And of course, it's Tim Allen reprising his role as Scott Calvin, aka Santa. Looks like Zod had to take a bathroom break, but let's go on to Netflix movies. So, um, 
Yesterday marks the 101st anniversary of the opening of the iconic Egyptian theater. And to celebrate the occasion, Netflix uh, decided um, to reopen the theater on November 9th and screening uh, David Fincher's The Killer, followed by a Q&A with uh, David Fincher. So this Egyptian theater was uh, Hollywood's golden age. It was actually built in 1922 during the silent film era. So uh, that uh, film will be dropping on Netflix. And um, I know some people are excited about Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. It's going to be dropping on Netflix just in time for Halloween. October 31st to be exact. It's interesting that Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is dropping on Netflix instead of Disney+. Plus. Sony has some kind of deal with um, Netflix because that's where the... um, because Netflix also has the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies and the Tobey Maguire ones. Oh, and, and, okay. And but they have the Venom same. and Venom and, and Ve- Morbius. More okay. Also. So anything Sony uh, related, which is the Venom movies, the the Tobey Maguire Andrew Garfield films. And of course, um, across the Spider Verse into the Spider Verse will be on Netflix. Interesting. And, and stuff. Yeah. I just Are thought that Disney. Disney I want to say that the um, at least the Tobey Maguire movies are on Disney Plus. Okay. But some streaming platforms are allowed to have both, right? I mean, um, yeah. You know, there some some properties can be on, on multiple streaming platforms, rather. Um. So Skydance Animation. Skydance is um. I guess they develop. They've developed a lot of comic books. I think Skydance was. Um, anyways, uh, Skydance Animation has been has inked a multi-year agreement with Netflix to develop and produce animation features that will be released directly on Netflix. And apparently, they were supposed to be exclusive to Apple. And apparently, they decided to move over to Netflix. I mean, Apple TV. I mean. How many subscribers does Apple TV have uh, compared to Netflix? I guess the mm-hmm. uh, it's the uh, answer is quite obvious there. And then um, Chris Rock and Kevin Hart are going to have a special on Netflix, which is like a documentary. It's uh, Kevin Hart and Chris Rock headliners only, and give viewers a behind the scenes oh, wow. look into the comedian's combined tour. Which I imagine they'll they'll have some highlights of their stand-up. You know, so it'd be probably be part documentary, part comedy special, I guess. I can't imagine them not including some of their, their stand special in that, you know, make it and making it like a dramatic docuseries, you know. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. That'll be that'll be interesting to check out. And Netflix is offering a, a new look at Avatar the Last Airbender live action series. So these drop some production images. Daniel Day Kim is in it and Paul Sung. Sun Young Lee, um, uh, you might remember him from The Mandalorian. Uh, uh-huh. Ken Ken Leung, um, and uh, with you. So uh, that's a live action a series based on Avatar: The Last Airbender. Um, so over on Amazon, Zod. A boy spinoff Gen V renewed for season two. And I only saw the pilot episode because I was interviewing 
um, a train, <laughs> Jesse T. Usher at StellarCon in Harford County. And I at least wanted to, to watch the, the, the pilot episode, but that's all I saw. Um, but um, I think you're a little more caught up on Gen V than I am, Zod. What, what can you say about Gen V so far? So far, it's been fun as hell. It's, um, it's definitely... Um, it goes in directions that you wouldn't expect. Like there was a character, like they introduced a character that I was so sure was going to become the next Homelander just from everything they were building up. And oh. what's that? I said, "Oh wow, Homelander's yeah, that's, that's, he's already a very, uh, very, very evil, evil character." Yeah, so. but they, but they, they had that character. What's what's his name? Golden Boy. Golden Boy. That's his name. Yeah. And like, you know, they, they build him up as, you know, he's this, um, he's this like heroic figure. He's the number one student on campus and everything like that. And I was like, oh, sure. This guy's going to turn out to be a real asshole. He's going to be Homelander. And uh, they kind of go in a completely different direction where they, I don't know, you saw in the pilot, was it in the pilot episode? What uh, happens to Golden Boy? Um, no, I, Golden Bay is portrayed by Patrick Schwarzenegger, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, I think that's episode two. Okay, well, then I won't say what happens, but it's a very surprising direction. And... I've already read about it. They decided oh. to, they decided to kill his character off. Yeah, they? yeah. And he's, and they actually show, like, there are characters that I was so sure are going to be pieces of shit assholes, and they're not. They're actually, like, seems like relatively decent people. And then again, there is still this idea that uh, so far all the kids are, you know, idealistic and heroic and it's the adults who are the opposite, the obvious villains. And, you know, there's a there's something very appealing about that. That's a trope that goes through all sorts of like college age and teenage um, teenage, you know, literature and movies and tv so it's but it's cool to see it's got a sense of humor somebody gets their dick something happens to a character's dick which is bloating penis i heard about really disgusting but it is so (laughs) funny to see they do show they they do show i've been reading about it yeah and there's like really weird visual effects like they show um uh what's her name the character who can grow big and small yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, they show her having sex with somebody, and it's like, oh my god, <laughs> it's like crazy. Is she in big form or small form when she's small out? form? Small form. Okay. <laughs> I can't wait to see more. Um, so interestingly enough, the the boys is based on um the graphic novel written by Garth Ennis. So, what is Gen V based off of? Is it more it's very loosely based off of the G-Men, which was this like offshoot thing in the boys about like, um, you know, they were they were supposed to be like X-Men analogs. But it's when I say loosely, I mean, very loosely. Besides the Godolkin University that they go to, that's okay. it. That's really that's the it. only that's really the only connection. So this seems like it's entirely original just in the boys universe. Yes, I'm wondering if Garth Ennis is involved with uh That's a good question. Who knows? But yeah, that's uh that's uh news for Amazon and I'm excited about that. Now there was also, there's also Amazon Freebie, which I had never 
seen anything on freebie before, but apparently you can download the app and it's completely free. They just dropped a, a trailer for a Christmas rom-com. You know, those, those romantic comedies, those holiday uh, rom-coms are very popular. Uh, this one stars uh, Leighton Meester and Robbie Amell, and it's called Xmas. X as an ex fiance must. Uh, and uh, uh, it is a pretty, pretty funny trailer. I mean, basically, his ex fiancés uh, both show up to a family dinner. Um, um, and uh, I don't know. It's just, yeah, obviously, there's awkwardness, you know, when you're dealing with exes, you know. Um, so it's a lot of fun, worth checking out. And of course, FX is still dropping more American Horror Story, and this one is the anthology American Horror Stories. They just dropped the trailer for that one. Um, Lisa Rinna stars in this one. Um, with her Laura, gigantic lips. With the gigantic lips, yep. Laura Karaoke, Hazel Gray, Rob Yang. And as you know, um, uh, American Horror Stories are self-contained episodes, so it's not an it's not a um, anthology from you know episode one till episode ten. It's each episode will be an individual story, which is kind of cool, you know. It's just it's yeah. very Black Mirror esque, you know. So you can just watch one episode and be done with it. Um, they had one really weird one where they had this uh, uh, restaurant that featured human organs. It was very. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's titled organ and it was very very gross um very disturbing <laughs> all right um so Baz lerman as you know he directed moulin rouge and elvis he expanded his film australia to a series so it's like a sequel of the series and it's called far away downs and it stars nicole kidman and hugh jackman so that's that's pretty big i mean that's a big get and uh that will be on Hulu, and uh, apparently the series was assembled entirely from footage that Baz Luhrmann, Luhrmann shot for Australia. Um, and, um, yeah, so that's uh, something really interesting to look forward to. But what's really interesting, Zod, as you know, I'm a Rick and Morty fan, and I think you are too, Zod. They just revealed yeah. new voices. Um, for season seven, and uh, the new Rick Sanchez is Ian Cordoni, and the new Morty is Harry Belden. And like, you know, the trailer we got to hear a little bit of it, but now we kind of had to watch the entire episode. And it's interesting. I think that the the new voice of Rick, um, Ian Cordoni, is similar to Justin Roiland, uh-huh. and, and Harry Belden, the voice of Morty, is is a little bit different, but. Big they, they really didn't have much Morty in the first episode, so no it Morty. Was... That's a good point too. I gotta hear a little bit Morty, so maybe that's why. But based yeah. on the trailer, I believe Big Paul thought that the Rick was not a good sound alike, but the Morty was close. So, um, but you know, I love the first episode. Zod, did you tune in? Yeah, I did. I loved it. It was so much fun. Has it has a pretty big guest star, <laughs> and um, you know, you saw it and, right. Uh, and we already mentioned his name. Yeah, yeah, we did. <laughs> they have a pretty big guest star, uh, yeah, uh, in Hugh Jackman, who we just talked about earlier. Right. Uh, with that Hulu series, but Hugh Jackman uh, played himself. And, yeah. Uh, it was pretty much like a bachelor party type of uh, 
bros trip uh, with <laughs> it starts out as a, an intervention and uh i will say i will say that um my wife hates mr poopy butthole <laughs> she, she, she can't stand that character she's like he's, well it's just because it's his voice is like so whiny and he's like uh voice actor too I, i'm not sure who's voicing uh poopy butthole Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess they still decided to keep the whininess. But I think uh, Justin Roiland did voice. Oh, he was the, the he was the uh, okay. Yeah, he he voiced the original Poopy. But yeah, it's it's Rick Poopy Buttholes, um, the cat Scrunch. Scrunch, yeah, Squanch. And then the the robot guy with the gears. <laughs> robot guy with the gears and bird person. I love Bird Person. Bird Person they're is this so... like, and they're going to like an alien strip club, and they're doing like a shots from. I guess she had multiple navels, and then she yeah. said, "That's not a belly." <laughs> Obviously, I, I'm guessing one of her, her vaginas. I don't know what it, it was. That's more than likely what it is. Yeah. And, so the uh, voice was the voice of Rick very recognizable. I mean, sorry, did it bother you with this new? voice actors on actually honestly it didn't it didn't i barely yeah. noticed it yeah there's some slight there's a little bit of inflections that, that are a little different but for the most part they found a great sound alike right 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 and that's mm-hmm. and i was so sure they would because there's such recognizable characters and there's all <laughs> sorts of like mm-hmm. talented mm-hmm. voice actors that are able to do that yeah exactly <laughs> so yeah so that was uh that was Rick and Morty, uh, the first season of, uh, sorry, first episode of season seven, which was a lot of fun. And then uh, let's move into, um, wow, the return of Saturday Night Live. Pete Davidson hosted last Saturday with musical guest Ice Spice and surprise guest appearances by Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. <laughs> so uh, did you watch uh, Saturday Night Live? I missed it, unfortunately. I didn't see okay. it. It was really good. I mean, it started on a serious note because uh, Pete Davidson was the host and he delivered a very somber message addressing the Israel-Hamas war and mm-hmm. and emphasis, you know, stressed the importance of, of comedy and you know during this time. And then they did like an NFL skit where they said, well, you know, Pete Davidson was like a sideline reporter that was only concerned about Taylor Swift at the game, <laughs> and. Uh, they, you know, they kind of just played on the fact that, you know, the, you know, that's why people are watching. <laughs> so a lot of casual fans are watching football just to see Taylor Swift. And then they said, well, let's talk a real, a real uh, football, uh, someone that really knows football. And then, tr- then they cut away to Travis Kelsey, which I thought was funny. And then Taylor Swift ended up in- introducing <laughs> Ice Spice for the second performance of the night. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. Um, and, uh, it was a fun episode, man. It was good to see um, Saturday Night Live back. And so they're not affected by the SAG strip because they, they go under a different television contract. So they're able to continue. It was just a matter of the writers um, ending the strike and coming back. So that's basically what happened. That's Although, why. I mean, you can't have, well, I don't know. I mean, so, I mean, Pete Davidson was there and Pete Davidson's a member of SAG. That's right. He's a member of SAG, but because the show is under a different contract, mm-hmm. you know, it's a it's a theatrical co- co- television show, but it's also live. So I, I think, think it has to do with it being live that does it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think that's a lot a big part of it as well. 
So, um, but apparently they had to go through a lot of lengths to get Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey uh, on set of Saturday Night Live because they wanted to be a big surprise. Um, and apparently they they got word that they were already in New York City that weekend and they wanted to drop drop by the show. Apparently nobody knew they were coming and they contacted very few people before their arrival. But um, oh man, we got uh, some. Uh, Chloe Feynman had a really fun skit. Well, it was mostly about Pete Davidson being like a Pete. His character was Pete, but it was like a play on the Ken character. So it was just all about like the Pete had to be like a Pete doll. And there was different versions of Pete, like the Black Pete and the uh, the Met Gala Pete. <laughs> and then the, and then uh, <laughs> and there's a car and uh, a pink car with. Barbie played by Chloe Fineman and they crash into a house, which is a play on what happened to Pete in real life. How he crashed into a car, uh, house with his girlfriend because he was drunk. And he admitted during his monologue that he's been, he's been in rehab, you know, um, and was very open about his drug, his drug addiction and his, his, his problems and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, had a really funny uh, monologue. And in fact, I saw Pete Davidson's, uh, Comedy show at the Lyric not too long ago, Zod, and he kind of repeated a few jokes from that stand-up show uh, during the monologue. So I guess <laughs> that was a, a nice real test of the uh, material because you know right, his comedy right. show re- required putting your phones in these locked bags, you know, and you can't take your phone out to record or anything like that. So, uh-huh. so uh, you know that made sense. Um, and then next week you got Bad Bunny double duty as host and musical guest. They had a really a uh, funny uh, promo for that WWE style with James Austin Johnson here introducing uh, the host Bad Bunny and the musical guest Bad Bunny, and they did, did some camera trickery with both Bad Bunnies. It was pretty fun. And then comedian Nate. Bargats and Foo Fighters will be the musical guests on the October 28th uh, episode of Saturday Night Live. So I've heard Nate Bargats is funny. He's like a really yeah, funny. yeah. So uh, I'm looking forward to the upcoming uh, episodes. And then some news on the strike, as you know, um, October 11th, uh, the talk with the Actors Union and AMPT. Um, uh, didn't go so well. Um, apparently, the gap between the two sides was too great. So it was a very unsuccessful meeting with uh, SAG and AMPTP. So the SAG strike will continue. And of course, the Writers Guild already reached their deal, so they're no longer on strike. But um, yeah, we're still going to wait a while, Zion. I have a feeling it probably will continue into the holidays we're getting so close to the holiday season already but uh as a lot of shows do take off november to december is kind of like that uh, slow period anyways but um you know film production's down 55 percent overall um because there's still other stuff that they can shoot like non-scripted television and talk shows are coming back and things like that but um, but George Clooney, Scarlett Johansson, Emma Stone, and Ben Affleck, and Tyler Perry met with the leaders of SAG to discuss the Guild's recent proposal after the studios walked away from the talks with SAG. And 
And uh, apparently they declined to confirm the details of the meeting, which I kind of want to know what happened in that meeting. But uh, well, you're as as a SAG member, don't they give you like minutes and things like that from those meetings? Usually, I mean, we knew that uh, that negotiations um, didn't go through after like the studios abruptly walked away from the talks with SAG-AFTRA. So we were aware of that, but apparently they had some type of meeting um, to talk about um, the recent proposal. So nothing holds more. Uh, wait than a bunch of A-list actors meeting with the leaders of SAG-AFTRA. Um, um, but yeah, we'll just have to wait and see what happens there. But this this one is not I'm not really happy with this news about because of the strike. They're asking for SAG actors to not promote struck work in costume. So like all the hot Barbies and Oppenheimer hats and Stranger Things costumes and Cobra Kai costume, anything that's a part of struck work on a major streaming platform is uh, discouraged. I don't know how strict they are going to be about that, but they said it kind of sucks, which really only leaves like generic Halloween costumes or yeah. you could do animation because animation is not in the strike. But, but uh, like, uh, I mean, like, could you dress as Spider Man, for instance? Spider Man. Apparently, because of the live action on the Marvel movies, isn't considered a struck character. Although you could say I'm dressed like Spider-Man in the comics. In the comics or Spider-Man from the cartoon. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. SAG is actually suggesting actors don't post photos of costumes to social media. Well, I mean, and it, and it might be something about, like, saying the, the marshals of the Milky Way and saying I'm Star King. Right. You know, I know. And, it's and, so and it's I'm, so I'm, lame. I'm missile mouse or I'm missile marsupial. And uh, so 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 lame, Zod. It's so lame. All right, moving on to some celebrity gossip. So Will Smith was in Baltimore, Zod. Did you know that? He was at the Enoch Pratt Library. I vaguely saw that, yeah. Yeah, as part of J- Jada Pinkett Smith's worthy press tour. There's like and, so much fucked up shit between Jada Pinkett Smith and yes. Will Smith. And I don't That's really right. understand. I don't I don't follow it closely close enough to like really understand it, but I see these headlines and I'm like, what? It's really <laughs> fucked up. So apparently there's a memoir revelation um that that they they've been separated <laughs> since twenty sixteen. That's insane. And it's crazy. That means that the slap was for nothing you know, well, not necessarily for nothing I mean, but i mean they were separated they were not really a couple i mean he, obviously he's still sticking up for for jada but um apparently um apparently they, they so this is what will smith said he said it was brutal and beautiful at the same time but they have a very long tumultuous relationship okay and then he said they've been really working hard at bringing the relationship back together for a life partnership. And now they're back together again, apparently. So, um, I don't know. It's just interesting that they just reveal that they had been separated since 2016. And, uh, now because of what happened and, you know, I don't know. 
They said that their union is a sloppy experiment in unconditional love. Data is the best friend I ever had on this planet, and I'm going to show up for her and support her for the rest of my life. Oh, my God. Um, what else do we have? So uh, Harry Potter author J.K. Rowling. Wow, really controversial. She's very anti-trans. I didn't realize. Right. The yeah, she's a, she established herself as a turf years ago. But yes, yeah. but the fact that she's been still posting stuff on her social media. So basically, she posted an image on Twitter, well, now X, that trans women are women, repeat after us. And she commented, no. And apparently, there's a Labour Party in charge of the UK. Mm-hmm. And apparently, they, they consider what she said a hate crime. And one of the commenters on her X profile said that she could go to two years in prison for comments like that. And then she replied. I'll happily do two years if the alternative is compelled speech and forced denial of reality and importance of sex. He said, bring on the court case, I say. It'll be more fun than I've ever had on a red carpet. Good God. Happily do two years. And it's. it's, I mean, like, it's, it's, it's a little bit of hyperbole to say that she could do two years for that because, I mean, clearly it's a. the fact that um, Pierce, um, what's his Brosnan? last name? Not Brosnan. Um, Pierce. No, Piers Morgan. Piers Morgan. Yeah, <laughs> Piers Morgan says all sorts of hateful, stupid shit all the time, and he's not in jail. <laughs> so it's right. Like, right. Yeah, the, the UK has the same kind of free speech laws. I know their libel laws are a lot more um, strict <laughs> than the US's are. But the um, so J.K. Rowling has every right to say whatever she wants. I mean, it's like uh, but the whole thing is she's doing it now just to like, I guess, to be. Oh, you know, just to be an instigator, I guess. I mean, there's yeah. no reason why she even needs to insert herself into the conversation. Like, but she feels compelled she has to. And um, all that's doing, it's, it's the same way, like, a lot of people that really, really loved J.K. Rowling are suddenly saying, yeah, I love Harry Potter, and I ignore the fact that it was made by J.K. Rowling. And it's it's the same thing with like I loved a lot of Woody Allen's early movies, but Woody Allen is a piece of shit. Or piece of shit. There's a lot of people that boycotted Harry Potter because of uh, what she said, which right. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, or it's like you know you love the Smiths even though Morrissey's an asshole. Yes, (laughs) and I I gladly pass on that show this week for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Although it, apparently it actually happened because the tour. It actually was- happened. He actually showed up, man. Believe it or not. <laughs> I'm looking more forward to the uh, Pesh Mode uh, next week. All right. Uh, Me Too news. So Kevin Spacey apparently forget, I guess in some, in some circles, I guess, but he got a standing ovation for performing a speech from Shakespeare and Thomas Middleton's, Middleton's. Timon of Athens, Timon of Athens, I guess. And it's apparently his first onstage performance since he was acquitted of, of sexual assault charges earlier earlier in the year. And 
Well, I, I guess, you know, for a lot of Hollywood, you know, you know, when, when people complain about cancel culture, it's pretty clear that not everyone gets canceled forever. It's the same thing with Louis C.K., the same thing with Kevin Spacey, same thing with <laughs> Canceled forever, but they don't rebound as strong as pre, yeah. pre, pre-accusation, because... Well, I mean, I don't know, like, Kevin Spacey was acquitted, so maybe he didn't actually do what he was accused of, but he was accused of some pretty terrible stuff, so it's yeah, like... He was acquitted, but, you know, there's other instances that just didn't go to court, but, uh, right. I mean, he was announced by Douglas Murray, who was a com- columnist for The Telegraph in the UK, uh-huh. and then he started, before he introduced Spacey, he said, in an era of cancellation... And the fenestration, we sometimes forget that we cannot go on like this and also that we've been here before. Interesting. And, uh, yeah, basically he's alluding to that people have made mistakes or, I don't know, I'm guessing that's what he meant because he said we've all been there before. I don't know. But um, Spacey's uh, world premiere of Control, his first film since he was acquitted, has had some setbacks after a London cinema dropped its offer to host it due to um, his involvement in the Welsh thriller. And um, I don't know, I guess some, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you can come back, but maybe not, not to the career that you once had, you know, if, if uh, some theaters are, are, are not, uh, you know, are not happy with, with with what he's done and, and in essence decides not to um green his film you know right green right film, you know? um i don't know um but anyways they're saying that it came to our attention that your film features kevin spacey my staff as well as i are horrified that we are being mentioned in the same breath as his new as his new film for the premiere um um regardless um our well wishes and prayers are with sam neill apparently his cancer has well he's been taking um, an anti-cancer drug that apparently will stop working he's in stage three of this blood cancer Uh and um because the drug will eventually stop working the doctors say uh it could be pretty bad um this is not looking good but apparently Sam Neill is still in an okay spirits considering the very grim and depressing news. No. Um, and um, not so good news with uh, Alec Baldwin. Apparently they dropped charges of him for manslaughter, but now they're, th- they're, they're going to bring it back because apparently they had news, new evidence, new. Well, they basically said, well, they claimed that he didn't pull the trigger, but, a forensic evidence apparently showed that there's no way the bullet could be discharged without him pulling the trigger. Um, so due to this FBI forensic analysis, um, they basically show, believe that Baldwin has criminal culpability in the death of uh, the cinematographer, Helena Hutchins. And, um, he could be presented with new charges. So, yeah, it was a pretty crazy. I mean, you know, still talking about the rust situation years after, but yeah, it's a very, very sad and tricky situation uh, of whether 
Baldwin should be at blame or not. You know, I don't know. But um, we're we're done. We're done tonight's show, Zod. We're gonna um, we're gonna end with. Well, of course, we have to throw out our rest in pieces. Um, this one's a sad one, Zod. Suzanne Summers, um, yeah. Three's Company, step by step. Um, passed away. She had breast cancer. She she's been battling breast breast cancer for 23 years. That's I mean that's astounding. You think about that long that yeah. It was an aggressive form of breast cancer, and apparently she was surrounded by her husband, her son, and other immediate family. And uh, she just celebrated her 77th birthday on October 16th. Um, and uh, well, they, they they were gathering for her 77th birthday, and apparently she passed away last Sunday. So she didn't actually. She died at 76. She didn't. She was like days away from a 77th birthday. That really sucks. Um, but you know, she was a looker back in the day, Zod. The Three's Company. I mean, wearing those like little booty shorts, and she had that, like, that swim, that swimsuit scene. You know, when she say that again, Zod. Yeah. No, you had a comment on Suzanne Summers. Oh yeah, that. She- well, she was beautiful. I think she was a little typecast because uh, she, she always played like these kind of dumb blonde roles. Yeah. And I'm sure like I guess she had some kind of show where she was like a sheriff or something in the 80s. And like, yeah, uh, that's right. I don't. She's the sheriff. I believe. And I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how successful that that was, I guess, an attempt for her to like get past that like dumb blonde role. But I mean, there was a time where she was probably one of the most famous women in, uh, in, in, you know, in America because everyone watched Three's Company. Such a funny show. It's all about just the, you know, uh, mistaken identity or, or um, you know, um, yeah, it's very or mistaken identity, mis- mistaken situations, misunderstanding, misunderstandings. Yeah. There you go. And it seemed to be the theme for the show, and it was always so so funny. In fact, uh. I'm reading here. Suzanne Summers actually asked for a raise. So at the time, she was only making thirty thousand an episode, and she wanted to make what John Ritter made her co-star, where he was making one hundred fifty thousand an episode. Um, and then she was trying to renegotiate, and I think that's what caused her to leave the show, and they hired in that other actress, you know, who was just kind of just like her, <laughs> except it was like. Wasn't it like the other actors had like a southern accent, but was just like uh, Chrissy? And, yeah. Uh, they went through three blondes, then, right? Yeah. yeah. And then the last one was like, um, oh, I don't, actually, she's the actress that that actually made Priscilla Barnes, right? She made an appearance yeah. in the uh, in the uh, Mallrats. She had the double. Yeah, nipple. yeah, that's right. And she had the she had the nipple. That's right. She looked good then too. That that was, I mean, that was yeah, a while still. Yeah. That was the late nineties. They were all she, she still looked pretty damn good there, man. Um, like, but yeah, John. That brings the question. That brings up the question because Janet stayed the entire time. Did you ever Janet, think Janet, John? Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever think Janet was attractive? She had a tight little body, Zadi. You know. Yeah. <laughs> body Zadi. <laughs> <laughs> She had a really tight bod. Um, and she's still with us. Joyce DeWitt is still with us, but John Ritter, 
and um, Suzanne Somers are no longer with us. Um, uh, we also lost. Yeah, so, um, oh, you had a comment? Oh, well, I was uh, I, I was saying like um, the Joyce Duet is still here, and so is the guy who played Larry. Although he wasn't really that big a deal, big part oh, of the show. And I think he's a big part of the show. He's the best friend. He is a big. He's really yeah. funny too. He's like he was kind of like the. Um, Ah, oh, the the womanizer type. He was like the the um, oh god, from Family Guy, the uh, giggy giggy, uh, giggy uh, um, like giggity, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was like the womanizer, but he was good. So we also lost Burt Young, who played Polly in six of the Rocky films. You remember him? Yeah, of course. Yeah. There's I a mean, great episode of The Sopranos that he's And he's also like, in The Sopranos, too. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, he he actually had an Oscar nom for supporting actor for his performance in the first Rocky movie in 1976. Yeah, so um, rest in peace. Rest in peace, Burt Young. Also, Laura Parker, known for fan-favorite witch Angelique Bouchard on the soap opera Dark Shadows sadly passed away at the age of 84. Okay. We also lost Phyllis Coates, the act, first actor to play Daily Planet reporter Lois Lane on television. So this is really? the, just, this the is like one from the 50s, or the actually 50s. even before. Yeah. Yeah, it first aired in 1952, The Adventures of Superman. That's right. The one that's the George Reeves one. Yeah, that's right. Okay, that's right. That's exactly right. Yeah, she initially played Lois opposite George Reeves as Clark Kent, Superman. Uh huh. Yeah, rest in peace. Uh, Piper Laurie, Oscar-nominated actress, best known for her roles in Carrie and Twin Peaks, uh, passed away at the age of 91. Rest in peace, Piper Laurie. Yeah. Man, were you a big was... Twin Peaks? Yeah, I wasn't a super fan, but I know that people that watched it were obsessed with that show. Yeah, I was a I was a super fan. I remember. You remember right? Piper Laurie's character? Of course I, I do. Yeah. Of course I do. She yeah. played uh, she played um, Ben Horn's sister on the show, and yep. yeah, yeah. shame, shame. She's no longer with us. We also lost Mark Goddard, actor known for his role in the pilot. Major Don West on the sci-fi show Lost in Space. Oh, so saw that. like from the 1960s, I guess. That's right, from the 1960s. Um, passed away at the age of 87. Um, and um, Iranian director Dariush Majuri. Majuri. Um, Dariush Majuri. Yes, yes, he's Iranian and you know how to pronounce that properly. Yes, whose 1969 <laughs> film opened a new era in Iranian filmmaking, and this is very, very sad. Zod, you know him and his wife have been found stabbed to death in their home outside Tehran, Iran's, um, and uh, apparently um, they were found dead with knife wounds in their necks by the director's daughter Mona. When she went to visit her father. Oh. And are you familiar with this director? Um, not intimately. I've heard the name before, and yeah. I mean, 
it's long-standing that Iranian cinema, Iranian cinema is really like Iranian filmmaking has been really, really well regarded around the world for uh, decades, even after the, even after the, um, um, even after like the revolution, they, uh, so yeah, I mean, he's like a trailblazer. I don't, I've never actually watched any of his movies, but, he was very, very, um, he was fantastic. And it's such a, it is a tragedy. It's a very sad tragedy. Apparently they don't have a person of interest yet. Um, and I hope they catch um, the, the person. Um, uh, the murderer. Um, and uh, of course, going on in the Middle East, um, Art's thoughts prayers go out to the the civilians the the women and the children that have died from the this crazy attacks um in the war and with israel and hamas and um it's just so sad because i just heard about those barbaric deaths uh, of babies and just, it just makes me sick to my stomach I just, and i just i just think it's the worst thing i've ever like one of the worst things i've ever read was was, uh, was yeah. the Mexicans babies um that 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 should never be the case I love that there's there's no there's no excusing that at all you don't yeah. uh, you don't you don't attack children you don't you don't attack especially not babies yeah <laughs> no yeah there's yeah, there also did you know about this one there was like a Harry Potter fan who was um held hostage by Hamas, and uh, the fan, uh, she was a young girl with autism, and I think she was killed, too, and uh, J.K. Rowling tweeted about it. Oh, that's that's horrifying. It's just really bad, man. It's just horrible. I mean, Hamas is, uh, they've gone to extreme measures, uh, and yes, they are a terrorist group, man. I mean, uh, God. It's the worst thing about it is like people are going to equate Islam with a terrorist group again, and that's not the. I mean, even in the Palestinian Authority, Fatah is like supposed to be, you know, like the one of the one of the uh, one of the driving influences in the Palestinian Authority, and they've completely disavowed Hamas, and um, it's the same thing, like you know. It, the worst extremists are the ones that get the most attention and right. it's terrible. And because of this, like, you know, people are dying all the time in the West bank and uh, from the yep. Israeli attacks and Israel feels justified to do this because they dealt with a, you know, horrific terrorist attack the same way the U S felt justified to attack Afghanistan and Iraq. And uh, all it's going to do is create more and more death. And, you know, Fuck ex- extremists, fuck, fuck religion, <laughs> but it's like uh, that's that's all you can say about it. And fuck religion in that case, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it. Uh, let's let's end the show on this sad note. But with death, we always celebrate life. For those another uh, trip around the sun, happy birthday to the following. On Thursday, October nineteenth, the uh, actor John Lithgow is seventy-eight. Actor Annie Golden from Orange is New Black is 72. She was the mute in uh, Orange is New Black, the older lady that did not speak. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She's like a veteran actress. She's been a ton of stuff. 
the one of the saviors of the Star Wars universe, an actor extraordinaire, director, you name it, John Favreau is 57. Happy birthday, John. Uh, South Park's Trey Parker is 54. <laughs> uh, everyone's Chris getting Tan. old. Yeah, everyone's getting old. Chris Tan is 53. I remember him from Saturday Night Live. And, yeah. Um, um, what is that movie with Will Ferrell? Oh, uh, A Night at the Roxbury. A Night at the Roxbury, yes. Chris Kattan was awesome on Saturday Night Live. He was so funny on Saturday Night Live. I, he was, it, he was it's, great. It's kind of a shame that like he didn't get the same kind of success. Oh, yes, he didn't. That's a shame. You're right. He did Dancing with the Stars, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> I know. It's not, that's pretty much a side that you've <laughs> done as well. Um, Jason Reitman, the director of Juno and Ghostbusters Afterlife, is 46. Um, Jillian Jacobs from Community, she's a cutie. She's yeah. 40, yeah, 41 today. Yeah, oh my God. Yeah, the girls on Community. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Allison Brie, all of them, right? Yeah. The, the lovely Rebecca Ferguson from Dune. He's 40 today, the big 4 0. Um, you might know this actress, Sierra Renee from Legends of Tomorrow, the DC's Legends of Tomorrow. She played Hawk Girl. Oh, yeah. She was yeah. quite lovely, also. Yeah, uh, 32 <laughs> today. An actress, Hunter King, a uh, soap actress uh, from Young and the Restless. She's 30 today. Her sister is Joey King from The Kissing Booth. Um, so they're in a family of actors. So those are the birthdays today. But, um, Zod, we're going to end with um, a, a triple treat. Um, uh, closing out tonight's show. So we're going to um, go into a special wrestling segment. I uh, recorded with uh, Darth Paul Wallace. We're going to talk about some wrestling news that's already been pre-recorded. Okay. Then we're going into... Another classic cut, and of course, that is the Three's Company theme song, Rest in Peace, Suzanne <laughs> Summers. Very iconic theme song, right? I'm a knock on the door. Knock on the door. Yeah. And then, of course, a little bit of an X-Men animated series theme song leading up to Zod's interview with Lenore Zan. Yes. What great interview. She gave you a lot of time, didn't she? Yeah, she was actually, she was really, really interesting to talk to. And you'll see, like, uh, in the, uh, you'll you'll hear it in the interview, but her career has taken her in a bunch of different places you would not have expected. And so it was really cool to hear, really cool to see. And she was so nice. She was actually, like, legitimately, she wanted me to talk about myself, which uh, no other interview, uh, no other interviewee. Usually some people, yeah, yeah they're usually people are so self-absorbed, but yeah, it's kind of cool. And I was reading up on Lenore Zan. She has some uh, political uh, experience as well in Canada. Right, you know right, right. And she'll, she'll talk about that a little bit in the interview. Nice. So, uh, yes, yeah, we're ending with a triple treat. So for your wrestling fans, myself and Darth Paul Walsh talks of wrestling stuff. Things going on in the world of WWE. Uh, we go over our pay-per-view picks, and uh, and then we uh, we're gonna listen to a, a great classic cut, uh, "Rest in Peace, Suzanne Summers," and then of course, ending with our exclusive interview with the Northman Rogue from X-Men: The Animated Series, and Yazachi plays Rogue in both the old 
animated series from 97 and of course the new series that's going to be dropping on disney plus so so on behalf of myself and uh yes zoddy himself mike the general zod it was a great having you zod talk was a two-man show tonight wasn't it yeah two men that's a two-man show yeah the nycc crew of 2023 (laughs) I'm Al Celebrity Soto. Um, yes, <laughs> the one and only Mike the General Zod. Uh, thank you so much um, for New York Comic Con for uh, proving BTB to be an official press outlet of NYCC. So, on behalf of myself and the General, we'll see you next week. Until then, peace. All right. Well, wrestling fans, BTB brings it to you again with a special a pre-recorded segment of everything going on in the world of mostly WWE this week. I'm your host, Al Soto, aka Celebrity Soto, and joining me as co-host, he is six foot eight, and you can't teach that. He's also a Sith Lord, Darth Paul Wallace. I am a Sith Lord. Oh, that's right. Darth Paul, we're going to talk everything in the world of wrestling, but uh, yeah, let's go ahead and start with talking about our fast lane picks. So our fast lane picks, uh, as you know, BTB, every time they have a uh, WWE premium live event, uh, the the prognosticators, if you will, yeah. of Below the Belt Show will predict the winners of the matches. So let's go over the matches and who won. All right. Um, Starting with Finn Balor and Damian Priest defending the championship against Cody Rhodes and Jay Uso. Interestingly enough, I'm the only uh, one who got that one right, right? Cody Cody Rhodes and Jay Uso were the new tag team champions. And that's right, Big Paul. You were the only one amongst us four to get that correct. Um, myself, Mike Doherty, aka the Rainmaker, and Wes. Picked Finn Balor and Damian Priest of Judgment Day. Um, that was actually a big surprise. Yep. We did not expect that to happen. Um, so very good. Yeah, on, yeah on, I thought on, they were going to do. I, I thought it was going to happen just because the way they were going to. I think they're going to try to segue something out of that. But yeah, um, and it was a good match. I thought it was a very action-packed match, and you're you're dealing with four incredible, incredible workers in that in that particular uh, tag match. So. Nonetheless, we have new tag team champions for now, of course. Um, moving on to the next match, the LWO versus Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits. So this is this is one where we got it wrong across the board, Big yep. Paul. That's right. All yeah, of us, I mean, yeah. All of us picked I Bobby Lashley that. and the Street Profits to win that match. Not only did LWO win, but they had, I guess, it seems like there is a new member of LWO in the returning Carlito. What do you think of that? Carlito returning to WWE and interfering in that match. I mean, I I think it was coming because, I mean, they've been trying to get him there for years. I think with Vince kind of back, Vince is a big advocate of Carlito. And I think he's been supporting uh, Carlito's family's wrestling business in, uh, what is it, Puerto Rico? That's right. Yeah. Is that what I, yeah. So I think, yeah. I think so. Vince has been like kind of partnering with them. And then, like, I mean, so I have a hunch that he was, he's doing it the, as a favorite to Vince and the, to the fans because he hasn't been in the U.S. for a while. Yeah, the, the, 
That I mean, not the Puerto Rico is not part of the U.S., but the continental U.S. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that, yeah, that live event, the premium live event in Puerto Rico, the title escapes me, Paul, maybe yeah. you, can, you can remember what it's called. But when Carlito was in that particular match, um, you know, when he interfered at the end of that match, then that was a big, big surprise. But I thought it was a one-off, you know, because they yeah. happened to be in Puerto Rico. But nonetheless, I guess he'd signed a new contract. So and he's a lot recall, bigger than he was. Do you recall before, the name right? of that pay? What was the name of that pay per view? And uh, I forget what the pay per view was. Okay. Yeah. And the title's escaping me, but that's I guess not important at this time. All right. So I, I think it was one of those newer ones that they just came out with, because then they like come out with a few new ones. Yeah, I just didn't have the. Yeah. Well, well. We both don't know it. Someone has to look it up, but we don't know. Yeah. All right, moving on. Um, John Cena and LA Knight versus Jimmy Uso and Solo Sokoa. Now, I think it's really interesting, first of all, that the Usos are on the same card, but they're not tagging with each other, you know? With Jay Uso teaming up with Cody yeah, Rhodes I mean, and Jimmy Uso teaming up with uh, uh, Solo Sokoa. But all of us were correct, Big Paul. John Cena, LA Knight victorious in that match. I, there was no reason for. For, no, Sokoa, no for, for Uso and Sokoa to go over in that match. Unless I, they were trying to get the bloodline all like titles. I mean, that's the only reason they would do that. But. Yeah. Yeah. So as far as I'm concerned, that was an easy one to predict. And all of us got that correct. Now, if Nia uh, Jax gets the title, then I would say, yeah, they'll probably give it to the Usos then, or, <laughs> Uso and Sokoa then. Nia Jax. Yeah. I'm surprised right. they brought her back because she didn't she hurt people. <laughs> she was known to be a little reckless, Big Paul, mm-hmm. for sure. But only two matches. This is a very, even though it went the full pay per view length, there was only five matches on the cards. Yeah, well, it wasn't. It wasn't that long. Uh, I'm surprised. Yeah, yeah. All right, moving on. The women's title match: Io Sky defending against Asuka and Charlotte Flair. Well, first of all, I know never to bet on Charlotte Flair again. I always bet on her, and she always loses, and she lost again. I really thought it was her time, and uh, it surely wasn't. Um, of course, uh, Asuka was predicted by the Rainmaker, Mike Darty, and you, Big Paul. You thought that Asuka was going to yeah. win the This title. is the second time I bet on Asuka, and that's happened. So. There you go. See? And now... Uh, it's crazy, but Io Sky has been champion now for, for a little while now, and she retains a title. The only one to predict that one correctly is Wes. Yes, Wes Whitlock predicted Io Sky would retain, and he was correct on that one. Wow. All right, main event time, Big Paul. That's right. Seth Rollins defending the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Versus Shinsuke Nakamura in a last man standing match. Yeah, I wasn't, you know, I I I was pretty confident Seth would retain, and sure enough, he did. Myself and Wes predicting correctly that Seth would retain the title. However, you, Big Paul, and Mike Darty both predicted yeah. that Shinsuke Nakamura would be new champion. I thought they would give it to him. I mean, I I, I was wrong, I guess. That's quite all right. Yeah. So as a result um, of the those pay-per-view picks by the BTV panel, we have a solo champion for BTV picks. That's uh, Wes Whitlock, 
with three matches predicted out of five. I and mean, it's kind of tough because there's very few matches. Yeah. But well, last... no, nobody guessed the EOS guy. I mean, he's not anyone who guessed the EOS guy. So I have to that's give him right. Got to give him credit for that. Wes Whitlock is the new BTB picks champion. Dude, we need see? a belt. <laughs> we need a virtual belt because we, you know, but a, a physical belt would be kind of hard to get to each person. Um, but, but myself and Darth Paul Wallace tying for second place with two out of five matches predicted correctly. Of course, uh, Big Paul, you predicted Cody Rhodes and Jay Uso would become new tag champs. Yep. And of course, John Cena and LA Knight, which everybody predicted correctly. Um, I myself, John Cena and LA Knight winning, and of course, Seth Rollins retaining. But the loser it was not you, Big Paul. It was the Rainmaker <laughs> Mike Darty with only one match predicted correctly. <laughs> he got every other match incorrect. So the, that's the results of the BTB um, pay per view picks. Well, you see, you never know what's going on in Vince's mind, so it's like, yeah, wrestling's so unpredictable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the biggest shockers were were LWO uh, yep. winning with Carlito returning, and of course Cody Rhodes and Jey Uso winning the tag titles. But like I said, that was very temporary. But let's talk about um, this Friday's SmackDown, Big Paul. Um, okay. We actually saw, um, which seems to be building up a feud. Uh, LA Knight and Roman Reigns um, and of course with Crown Jewel coming up I wonder I'm wondering if we're going to see Roman Reigns or his LA Knight for the uh, and the speeded title what do you think uh, See, I don't know I, I think that's too soon for him to be honest with you too soon okay or, or I mean is like still technically on the roster maybe Cena gives up against John Cena could face Roman Reigns in the main event I think that's I think that's a little that more. That would be better for Crown Jewel, I think. I mean, at LA Knight, I think it's just too soon. Now, too I'm not soon. saying like LA Knight wouldn't come in and interfere to help Cena out if Cena's in trouble, but yeah. But you see, what I, I just think giving it to to or maybe well, maybe it could be vice versa. Maybe they will use LA Knight and have Cena come in and then set up something for uh, Reigns and Cena later on. That's true. So, but Crown Jewel is known for those mega mega main events. Mm-hmm. So, I would. You know, I would probably think both are feasible. I think it could be Roman Reigns versus John Cena, or it could be Roman Reigns versus LA Knight. Um, but Roman Reigns will definitely defend the title at Crown Jewel, as he. Yeah, I, I think I think one of them is. I think they're both be involved in some way to begin with. So. Yeah. Because I mean, I, there's no way that John Cena is not going to be involved in Crown Jewel. Yeah. No. Of course, I think he's definitely going to be a part of it in some some form or fashion. We just don't know if he's going to be challenging Roman Reigns. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, it was cool to see that happen. Um, we also, interesting enough, uh, this past Friday, um, we saw a new general manager of SmackDown in Nick Aldis, who is Mickey James' husband, by the way. Nick Aldis has been a producer for, for quite a while, I believe, but he hasn't been, um, on camera either as an active performer or you know, which well, you know, well, wasn't he big in? Uh, I think he was with the uh, Ring of Honor for a long time, wasn't he? As a yeah, he was. He was an Impact. Um, you know, I don't think he ever worked for AEW. I could be wrong on that, but I don't think he has. So, um, and I, he's not that old. So uh, I'm curious on the reasoning for him to become 
a producer over giving him a, maybe um, a run. Um, I guess with, same with Adam Pierce. Adam Pierce never had a yeah. a run with the WWE. Is no. um, did is Mickey James coming back? Is she still under contract? Well, that's or? the thing. Yeah, I mean, usually when they hire um, when they hire someone, they they bring bring along their partner, whether it's their, their wife or husband. Um, but I don't think that was the case just yet. I know there's a couple of guys in AEW that want to come over because their wives are in WWE. But yeah. They're not allowed out of their contracts yet. So. Yeah, it makes sense that that would happen. But um, but yeah, and of course, they uh, also mentioned because Jey Uso is now part of the Raw roster, they had to bring over a, a superstar from Raw to come over to SmackDown, and they chose Kevin Owens. So that pretty much ends the tag team of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. We're not going to see them tag anymore. Um, but um, I like that tag team. Yeah, yeah, you know, I thought they were I thought they were going to have a longer run. And you know that uh, mm-hmm. they lost the titles to Judgment Day. So, I am very surprised about that. But yes, we did mention Crown Jewel, Jewel Big Paul. There are some matches already officially announced. Um one includes uh Seth Rollins defending against Drew McIntyre for the uh WWE World Championship. Um what do you think of that main event? I don't know, dude. I still think eventually they're going to take it off Seth Rollins. So maybe that's the event that's going to take it off and give it to McIntyre because McIntyre hasn't had a run in a while. He hasn't had a run in a while. He hasn't won the title um, in front of fans. He's, you know, obviously he was the champion during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, maybe it is Drew McIntyre's, um, you know, chance to shine. Obviously we're not going to do a predictions yet, big Paul, because we have more matches still that, that need to be added for us to do the picks. But uh but also, there's also a uh, fatal five-way women's match for the uh, Women's World Championship. Uh, we have Rhea Ripley defending against Nia Jax, who you mentioned earlier, <laughs> Shayna yeah. Baszler, Zoe Stark, and Raquel Rodriguez. What do you think of I'm that? I'm surprised they don't put Ronda Rousey in there, because that would be like just a slobber knocker match there, because they're all the tough ones. I would have loved to have seen Ronda Rousey, because she's still part of the roster. She hasn't... Yeah quit wwe i believe she's still under contract and she's still a draw um i don't know maybe they can bring her on and they can make it a um it's not a fatal six way is it it's like a six pack i think six packs challenge are they gonna have to wear like more clothes there because i mean i know saudi arabia is kind of oh yeah yeah i mean you've seen a crown jewel pay-per-view haven't you yeah because before they wouldn't even allow women over there now they allow them they have to be covered up yeah that's not going to change. That's 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 uh, a <laughs> that's a part of their culture. So all the women will be uh, covered, uh, even though they're wearing like form-fitting spandex. They you know they're they're pretty yeah. much from pretty much below the face all the way till their toes are covered. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we'll we'll, well see actually, what well, I just now thought about that with the Middle East thing. Do you think that's going to even happen? I just now thought of it. I didn't even think about that until now because stuff's kind of going south as of today. That's a good point, man. With everything going I mean, they even caught up the Jordan Peace talks. So it's like, I mean, it's spreading around that whole area. So I, I don't know I if would it would be, be very favorite. leery, leery about going to the Middle Eastern time. You know, during this time, of course, you know, Palestine is not too far off. Or yeah, the Gaza Strip. You know, Palestine. Not yeah. Plus, they're not happy with Americans right now either. So that's not that's another that just puts yeah. targets on their back. That's a good point, but I think they're contractually contractually obligated to to be over at the in Saudi Arabia. Um, and then there's another match that is probably most likely going to happen. They're already teasing it. 
So apparently Logan Paul challenged Rey Mysterio d- during his post-fight speech at Saturday's Prime Boxing Card, where uh, Logan Paul defeated Dylan Danis via DQ. And he told fans as much as he loves boxing, he is a WWE superstar, and he's eyeing Rey Mysterio's title. You know, I would not be surprised. Yeah, yeah he, he, he's one of the big names that you bring in for a pay-per-view like that. Yeah. So expect that match also to be added to um, to that card. It would not surprise me at all. Um, I'm surprised they don't bring like Logan Paul in to face like a Tyson Fury just like as a one-off match. Because I mean, because they brought Tyson Fury in that one match, you figure Logan uh, Paul has the boxing match too, boxing skills too. So. Tyson Fury has not proved himself as a, a wrestler. But well, as a boxer, Logan Paul surprised me because at first I didn't, I thought that was just a dumb move. I thought he was just. I, I don't think Tyson Fury would ever, ever wrestle. Yeah, he doesn't have the athletic ability Logan Paul has. I can't see that happening ever. Absolutely not. Um, now, Jake Paul might might come over, I heard. He might. He might. So, um, I guess some, some highlights from uh, Raw. Um, so, we saw Jade Cargill go face-to-face with Becky Lynch in the backstage segment. And uh, apparently, I guess we're setting up – they're setting up uh, – a match maybe between those two. I don't know. Maybe Jade will go directly to Rhea Ripley. We don't know. I mean, uh, but but Becky Lynch said. Yeah, I don't know if that would happen on what they call it, on in Saudi Arabia because I I think they're kind of like limited on what they could do with the women's matches. You know what I, I mean? It won't happen, yeah, it won't happen at Saudi Arabia. I think if anything, it could happen at Survivor Series. You know, mm-hmm. Jade Cargill versus Rhea Ripley yeah. or Becky Lynch. But I don't know. Do you, maybe maybe it makes sense for for Jade to forego a feud with Becky and just go straight for the women's championship with with um, Rhea Ripley. I don't well, know. What about a three way? A three way would be good too. Yeah, but which you know the, you can't do a three way with two champions. I don't think right. You would you right. would have to whoever you, you could unite the champion. You could have a united champion and you could have an undisputed. I don't champion. think no. I I think they're gonna keep those separate. I can't imagine. Okay. I can't see it. I mean, crazier things have happened, Big Paul, of course. But see, uh, I still think for the undisputed championship, what they should do, they should have Raw Championship, SmackDown Championship, and for like WrestleMania, have undisputed like whoever wins for the year is the undisputed championship, <laughs> but they can still be a Raw Champion and a SmackDown Champion. So I just know. Have, you know what I mean? So that way you don't have like all the titles. You mentioned that. Together. I disagree, Paul. I think. I like how they dropped Raw and SmackDown from each title. I, I think it should, like, you know, WWE title um, or World Heavy. But see, that would make WrestleMania more of like a Super Bowl type of thing. You know what I mean? So, I don't know, Big Paul. I, I think I disagree with that. I know you've said this on the on the show a lot. I know you're really pushing. Because that's what Survivor Series kind of does. But I think they should. Be back. I think what they should do is not do the raw smackdown um what, what i'm trying to say i don't think they should like you know they have a ross raw women's champion smackdown women's champion raw tag team champions yeah smackdown tag. take the show title out of there and just you know just give each show but, a but specific wouldn't be wouldn't be I, special though if you had like it'd be like the like baseball or football, like you would have American League champion against a National League champion, and then once a year, WrestleMania would be like the World Series, and whoever wins is the champ, considered undisputed champion for the year. But they could also be a SmackDown champion or a. I don't know. I 
I, I feel that Survivor Series, they did that at one point. I don't know if they're going to follow that. You know, they had champion versus champion. Um, I don't know. I don't know about that one, Paul. Um, I mean, I just think it would help ratings. I mean, because uh, otherwise you don't have a champion on one of the shows. So it's like. Well, yeah, but now we do. You know, so that, that's, uh, you know, we have we we have uh, Seth Rollins on Raw. We have Roman Reigns sometimes on SmackDown. <laughs> so yeah. We'll see what happens there. And then what I was alluding to a little earlier, Big Paul, is that the judgment they are now, once again, tag team champions, undisputed tag team champions. So it wasn't long with Cody and Jey Uso getting no. the trips. Yeah, so... Uh, I kind of thought they would have it a little bit longer than that and then use that as a segue, but it didn't happen. Yeah, and of course there was interference by Jimmy Uso and um, looks like they're setting up Jimmy versus Jay. And yep. um, would it happen at Crown Jewel? Maybe so, right? It, it could be a good, a good chance for that match to happen. I mean, that match could have WrestleMania implications too. Jimmy yep. versus Jay. Uh, you know, I think that'd be kind of cool because I don't think we've ever seen a singles match between the two brothers. But uh, you think they're gonna yeah. bring Rikishi in to be in part of that too? Like, kind of like oh man, side with one of them and then then flip and then like help the that other one out. You know, that wouldn't be a bad storyline. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but you know they're they're already setting up Raw for next week, and uh, Drew McIntyre and Sami Zayn are going to go one on one in singles action. Actually, what they could do, they could have some Moo on one side and uh, Rikishi on the other side. <laughs> yeah. And of course, uh, looks like uh, uh, next week's show will also feature an appearance by Logan Paul um, as well. Um, probably hype up that uh, challenge with Rey Mysterio. So, um, so yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, getting exciting again. And, uh, but I know you, did you hear about the rumor about Rey Mysterio? What Um, have you heard about Rey Mysterio? I heard there's a rumor going around. Like he wants to have a match with a Dominic, a mask versus hair match. Mask versus hair match. I mean, they could have it. They couldn't make that happen. And if they did, where would, I mean, we've already seen that at WrestleMania. Um, you know what, what? You know, I wouldn't mind seeing that. I mean, I mean, you know, Dominic supporting that. I mean, yeah, Ray hasn't had mask off since what WCW. Yeah, and Ray could eventually retire if he wants to go maskless. Yeah. So that could add a little more uh, intrigue yeah. to to another match. I think they would have to do that if they have one more match because you know, yeah, to add something different to it, you know. So. uh and um, as you know, Big Paul, I was at uh, the New York Comic Con, and one of the guests was uh, the one and only Sasha Banks, who is now Mercedes Mercedes uh, Varnado, and of course she has a a different name. I think Mercedes Monet. In, yeah, that's uh, what it is. New Japan Pro Wrestling. So I will uh, give you an exclusive. I did ask Sasha Banks, Mercedes, if you will. Um, well, first of all, I said you're part of two of my favorite fandoms, wrestling and Star Wars. So it's a pleasure to meet you. <laughs> and I asked her, I, I just got to ask, is there any chance you'll be returning to WWE? And she said, just keep watching. Just keep watching. So you could, it could, mm-hmm. you could take that. Yeah, out you want to know. I, I would think she would be a good fit to face Jade Cargill because they're so similar in styles and. Am I right? I think that would be great. Um, Jay Cargill is a beast as far as like height and size, and and uh, yeah. Sasha Banks is a smaller. 
Um, so I think they, they still be, had that rough style about them. I mean, yeah, yeah, I can see it. So not only did I get that exclusive scoop about Sasha Banks, Big Paul, but I read on the sheets that a fan asked the question about um, the true reason for. See, I didn't phrase it like that when I asked my question. This yeah. fan asked, "Oh, I read that uh, that uh, you you left for WWE for creative differences. Oh yeah, what are you reading? Fiction?" And she really snapped back at his fan, right? And then said, "Well, can you can you tell me the reason why you left WWE?" She said, "Why would I tell you? Who are you?" She really there's a video out there, Big Paul. You can see it <laughs> uh, about her kind of snapping back at his fan because you know you kind of have to. When you approach these people, just just be very respectful and uh, you yeah. know. Yeah, well, says, see, the thing is, everybody wants scoops and they want like the clickbait, so that's basically what it is. Yeah, and I, I guess because someone was recording it, he, you know, was his maybe his, his um, colleague or buddy was recording it to kind of put it out there for the sheets, you know. And I didn't record anything. I was I just I just asked her and, and just you know when she could be you know returning or if she could be returning and. She was just like, just keep watching, you know? So that was it, man. So uh, that pretty much uh, wraps up uh, wrestling in a nutshell. Uh, Big well, the Paul. thing is, I think Triple H has more control of what is it? Is it Raw? He has more control. I think Triple H has more control. Over I, hear, I mean, I heard said, that, that. They said that, he had, that. had control over one of the shows. So I think that might help her come back. Because I think when Vince came back, Vince didn't like pushing her and triple h was like in her corner or something so well that's the thing i, I think that triple h i heard differently paul i heard that that was it opposite triple h didn't like no, her heard, well no no hold on i think that i've i've heard that triple h actually is the main creative guy now vince mcmahon came back but after the sale to the the merger of endeavor and you know the the merge with the ufc under that tka holdings okay. That McMahon is no longer in the creative process. That's what I read. Oh. And so it's purely Triple H now. That was only that was only to make the sale to Endeavor is when when Vince McMahon came back. And now that the the deal is done, that Endeavor liked Triple H's creative, you know. I also heard the weird rumor that they're gonna try still try to do the Wyatt Six, which doesn't make sense now. I mean, I think it's I don't know if that's that would work. What, say that again, because that you think you, you. I heard rumors that they might still do Wyatt Six even without Bray Wyatt. It's like that's just strange. Wyatt Six? What do you mean? Well, like the pun, like they're going to do like live action versions of the puppets and stuff. Because oh, that's that, that's where the Bray Wyatt storyline was going. So they would have had like, I mean, probably Uncle Howdy and then like all the other puppet people. So. Oh, in 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 in. In live larger, action. Live action, larger, larger than life type form. Mm-hmm. Ah, it won't work without him, man. I, they no. should not. They should not do that. Sadly, but um, that's it. That's all I got for wrestling this week, Paul. So it's been a tremendous show from top to bottom. Yeah. And of course, we had a great, great uh, BTB podcast earlier. We hope you enjoyed that. So on behalf, oh, um, don't forget that. Uh, are you going to mention Suzanne Summers? Or we're really sad about uh, Suzanne Summers. Yeah, I love it. Uh, rest in peace. She's no longer with us. Um, and John Ritter is gone too. So that's two thirds of Three's Company. That's no longer with us. But uh, very, very sad. Well, like George apparently was a fan of my YouTube show when I had that. Wait, wait say it again. Apparently, Joyce DeWitt, according to like some of the creators that a YouTube show I was on, 
was one of our biggest fans. One of your biggest fans? Yes. Back at like when we had a YouTube, I had a YouTube show in the early days of YouTube before you could make money on it. So it's like, so, but I mean, it didn't last that long. So it was a comedy show. Joyce the Wit? She Joyce the Wit. It was like the most random person at the time. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. So you saw like a like or a comment from Joyce the Wit on your YouTube page? Yeah, they, she actually emailed one of the people who was making it. So it's like, yeah. What? Cool. But I mean, as I said, it was before the month. That was like that's way crazy, back in the early days of YouTube. That's, when, like, that's crazy town, dude. Well, anyways, uh, Big Paul, that concludes our wrestling segment for the week here on BTV. So on behalf of the Sith Lord, Darth Paul Wallace. I am a Sith Lord. And I'm Al Celebrity Soto, guys. We will see you next time. Until then, peace. Come and knock on our door. Come and knock on our door. We've been waiting for you. We've been waiting for you. Where the kisses are hers and hers and his. Three's company, too. Come and dance on our floor. Come and dance on our floor. Take a step that is new. Take a step that is new. We've a lovable space that needs your face. Three's company too. We are here at New York Comic Con. This is General Zod, or Mike the General Zod, with Below the Belt Show. And we are here at New York Comic Con with the illustrious Lenore Zahn. You may not be familiar with that name, but you'll be familiar when she introduces herself. Well, howdy there, sugar. This here is Rogue from the X-Men, a.k.a. Lenore Zahn. <laughs> exactly. She is one of the fundamental voices of your childhood. Out there, everyone knows who I'm talking about. She was Rogue on the X-Men. And... Not only that, she has an amazing story about how she got into it. If uh, you could tell tell our viewers and listeners. Sure. Uh, you know, I, first of all, I want to say thank you so much to the fans for your interest and your loyalty in our show. Because without you, we would not be coming back with X-Men 97 on Disney Plus uh, for Marvel. So I, I started off my career as a theater performer. Former, live theater. I played Marilyn Monroe, actually, in a rock <laughs> opera. I can see that. On the life of Marilyn, yeah. I was only 19 at the time, and then that led to movies and television, more theater. I did theater in New York here. I did a play called Unidentified Human Remains and the True Nature of Love <laughs> at the Orpheum Theater. Oh, very so, cool. Yeah, we did that one in 91. Uh-huh. And after 91, I went back to Toronto, Canada, where I had started some of my career and that was when I was cast as Rogue in the X-Men and originally my agent wanted me to go and audition for this animated series but it didn't have a name it was just called the X-Project you know that was all <laughs> that was that was uh, right. that was actually pretty fitting even though you'd have no idea exactly, exactly right yeah and so the thing is I, I blew it off I didn't go to the audition because I was I considered myself a serious actor right. that did movies and television yeah. and theater and so um, I didn't do that audition but my agent called me and said Lenore 
they are looking for a, a woman with a sexy, husky, low voice who can do a southern accent. And they haven't found the right actress because it's you. <laughs> <laughs> so get your ass down there for these callbacks, uh -huh. right? And uh, you'll book it. So I walked into the studio. I saw a drawing of a character like this. And she had her hand on her hip. <laughs> and she had this sassy attitude. And I just read the lines like, My daddy liked to kill himself when he found out I was a mutant. <laughs> and then the next lines I remember were, I remember I had me a boyfriend when I was 13. Had me a boyfriend till I kissed him. Poor boy went into a coma for three days. I remember that scene so vividly. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah and I, I said these lines, and I had the headphones on. The producers were in L.A., and I heard them scream on the other end. And it turns out it was Larry Houston. And they said, that's her. That's the voice we've been looking for. That's Rogue. Don't let her leave the building and that was exactly how I got the role of Rogue. That is so so cool and it's uh, it's really really wild that even apart from voice acting and acting you had a very different career too. I did I did so I, I was a uh, you know I did movies and television theater and animation for a long time and then uh, after doing my own play in New York uh, called the Marilyn tapes which was a one-woman show about Marilyn Monroe looking at the end of her life looking back uh, I decided that it was time to move home back to Nova Scotia where I had grown up because I wanted to be close to my family. My, my parents were getting older, my sister's kids were little, and I didn't want to be one of those aunties on a fridge, you know, right. that the kids don't know. And so I moved back home, I bought a house, because uh, they're affordable there, <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I did that, and I, I also was tired of saying other people's lines. I wanted to talk about issues that were important to me and to the world. For instance, um, social justice issues, diversity, the importance of diversity, equality, uh, so, uh, also environmental issues, climate change, women's rights, indigenous people's rights, all of these sort of things. And um, so I moved home and I was asked if I wanted to run for politics. And I thought, well, that's a good opportunity to do all of that and live at home. So I thought, why not? What have I got to lose? So I said, yes, I would run for politics. And the party I was running for at the time was called the New Democratic Party. Uh -huh. They're kind of like this, the, Bernie, the Bernie Sanders Party of Canada. Right. They're, they're a social democratic party. Uh -huh. And I had also lived in Sweden, uh, in Stockholm, for about a year where I did a play there called Two for the Seesaw. So I got to live in a country where they have a social democratic government with free health care, free post-secondary education, uh -huh. all of these things that I believe in are, I think are very important. So uh, I ran and I won in a landslide and the media said that I won in 
in a Zan slide. <laughs> Did, uh, was it public knowledge that you were rogue from the X-Men? You, you know what? It was public knowledge, but it wasn't such a big deal oh, at that okay. time. You know, in Canada, it's funny. We never knew. The, the, those of us in the, um, in the show did not know how big of a deal the show was. We were never really told. And when we did the show originally, there was no social media. There was no internet. And so in the 30 years since we we've done the show, it has become, it's known to be one of the top two most popular animated series of all time. Uh -huh. Now, we had no idea of that until we were asked to go to, uh, for the 30th anniversary of the X-Men, we were asked to go to Texas for a reunion. And when we went there, we all saw each other for the first time in 30 years, and then we were asked to go to LA that in 2019. And the reaction from the fans just blew us away. We were we were just stunned, and people told us how important the show had been to them as children. That's when we started to know. And that just uh, that must have been that must have blown your mind. Yeah, because 2019. That's only a few years ago. So we we really had no idea until then. Right. And before we wrap up, uh, there's uh, there's something else I know you want to talk about. Like you uh, you've all, you've got something else in the works. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, actually, well, I have a few things in the works. I have a movie coming out mm -hmm. called The Madones. That's coming out in the new year in January in January of 2024. I have another movie that's available right now on Amazon Prime called Stage Mother. And that one is awesome. It's a great movie. Check it out. But I'm, I have an album coming out in the spring called <laughs> Strong Enough. Uh, that'll be on Spotify and all the other streaming devices. And I'm writing a memoir about my life as an actor, as an activist, as a politician, and a superhero. And it's called A Rogue's Tale. And that'll be out next fall of 2024. So keep an eye out for it and you'll have a little bit of rogue everywhere. <laughs> that is amazing. Well, Lenore, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us You're again. So Again, she's uh, Lenore. Is it Zan or Zan? It's Zan. Zan. Yeah. Okay, my apologies. No problem. No problem. And I just want to again say a shout out to the fans and say you're going to love X Men 97. So you better buckle up your seatbelts because you're in for a bumpy ride. <laughs> can, you, uh, can you do us one more courtesy and um, uh, give us a little promo? Just uh, introduce yourself, maybe in the rogue voice. Okay. And. Uh, say you're listening to Below the Belt Show. Well, you know, y'all look about as nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. This here is Lenore Zan, a.k.a. Rogue, and you are watching and listening to the Below the Belt Show. Sugar. Thank you so much. Well, it has been a ill show tonight, and I think we have all learned some valuable lessons. This is your bot for the bad boys of Baltimore saying, until next time, keep chilling like a villain. Bye, goodbye, 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 goodbye.